Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us once again. This is episode 141. We are recording this on Saturday, August 28th, 2021, at about 5.50 p.m. Pacific time. I'm your host, Terry Plucknett, and joining me are Todd Plucknett and Zach Saltz. Adam will be along a little later for our uh, our weekly list review as we're still revealing our top 100 movies of all time this week is 20 to 11 so what just missed our top 10 but this is saturday the 28th there was a lot going on today start of college football todd and i are both repping the huskers even though they both sucked or they sucked it up pretty badly uh zach i you said you actually watched some of the game Oh yeah, I was I was rooting for you guys, you know, Scott Frost, man. I, I this is a make or break season. I can't believe that Taylor Martinez is still on your team. That guy's got to be 45 years old now, but uh it was it was a tragedy. Uh you know, I really thought some mismanagement, some mismanaged clock time there and uh the missed mm, extra I don't agree point, with that. Man. The missed extra points. What the hell? I know, that he was, was the Big 10 kicker of the year last year too. Yeah. I I mean, how do you miss two extra points? They yeah, were taking I, I, their time, man. It was like Donovan like McNabb in the Super Bowl. They took their yeah. sweet time on that last drive. It it's yeah. They, they they were the more talented team and they played better, but all but they made all the mistakes you need to make to lose a game. Yeah, just like every other game we just played. Just like every other game. Yeah. You know, eight years. They, they play they play well, but not smart. My favorite well, is that, is was the, the roughing the passer oh. with the with the taunting penalty on top of it. That, instead of an interception, instead of an interception, it was thirty yards in penalties. Yeah, that was the that, that was a backbreaker. That yeah, or or was it the scoop and score picks or uh, for for a touchdown? I at, mean, that's at, just at that's just the normal for us at this point. I mean, we've been watching that for forever. Well, what pissed me off was that all, I were all screw up points. Like there well, was I like, point they scored teams. in the first half. Absolute disaster. Like our punt, I don't even know who that punter was, but I mean, he couldn't punt it further than 30 yards with the wind. And, uh, oh, it was bad. Oh, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the punt that he slipped in the end zone and then he tried to throw the ball from the, from the goal line, which obviously you're not allowed to do. Which also cost me money because my first, my bet was the first score of the game was going to be a Nebraska touchdown at plus one hundred five, and any other score was actually fifty to one, and so that cashed. The safety would have cashed at fifty to one, but and then of course the first actual offensive score was a touchdown for by Nebraska. I would have gotten that right. Well, and, and then I, I saw someone post on uh, on Bad Beats already to send it to Scott Van Pelt. The over under was fifty two and a half. And an extra point missed. And, yeah. an ex- and a missed extra point put it at 52. Well, I mean, that's where it closed. Like, that thing opened at, like, 58 and a half, though. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, at the, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, that's, that's a pretty bad beat. Yeah, yeah. Especially a second extra point missed. So, so the other side of today was, uh, today was Fantasy Football Draft Day for our Almost Sideways League, which is, uh, which is 12 strong. And, uh, 
I don't know about strong. Well, the, <laughs> there's twelve well, teams. There's twelve teams. There's twelve teams. <laughs> strong is is relative. I mean, it does involve the three of us, and uh, and Mrs. Zach and Mrs. and Mrs. Terry, and then uh, and then some other friends from across the ages. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I think I looked at the draft grades. We had the three best drafts. So Zach, Wait, apparently, according yeah, the three of us. <laughs> okay. According to to Yahoo, Zach's draft had an A. And Zach, what what's your uh, sideways team name this year? Uh, Kalira, name for uh, the uh, winery <laughs> that Steph works at. <laughs> That is beautiful. I had to look that up. I thought it was with a C at first, but it's actually with a K. And then, and the then my draft is second best at a B plus. Um, my my Apollo thirteen name this year is three hours by the checklist, um, which is how long it takes to to start. We don't have a lot of time then. We, we don't have that much time. No, no. And then uh, and Todd's draft is third at, at a B plus, which is this is awesome because I drafted eleventh. Todd drafted twelfth, and we had the second and third best drafts. And Zach drafted like with my first pick, which I've never done. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That was weird. It, I mean, it kind of worked, but it, it was an interesting experiment. And Todd, as always, your team name is the Boucher Bombers. The Boucher Bombers, which exactly. has been since I think two thousand and one. Yeah, probably, probably. So, uh, so we'll see how that one goes. And Todd and I had a draft earlier in the day. Uh, that was a, an auction draft in a public league. And Todd, I know you mentioned this league uh, a couple weeks, or was it last week? I think yeah. you mentioned uh, Boogie yeah, Nights. Yeah, Boogie Nights, yeah. Because you're, so my you're team Brock name Landers. is Brock Landers, and my buddy Josh is Chess Rockwell. Which... And every now and then, yeah, yeah. Every now and then I joined this league too. And I did this time, and I had to come up with something witty to go along with that. And it doesn't, but it's witty. You'll like this, Zach. My team name is David O. Woodrow. And my picture, and the, my, my, picture for it is a picture of russell wilson because david o russell and woodrow wilson so it's russell wilson. oh wow that went right over my head i thought it <laughs> yeah, was if I, you I would thought... have seen it written down you would have gotten it but yeah saying it out loud <laughs> it sounded really lame during <laughs> yep yep so, so that that's that's why i went with and and apparently according to todd um we have the, the the three best teams there. However, it does say that Juan's team is the best according to Yahoo. So, what the draft grades? Yeah, yeah. Right, it just I didn't says even best see the draft, draft and it says the oh. team that's called Juan's best team. I, was that the guy? I think that was a guy that picked that had the computer picked three players for him, and he had like fifty dollars left, and then, and then he, he, and showed, then up he for showed the draft. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was the first time I like went all in trying to trying to buy a lot of the big the big time ones. I usually sit back and then end up with a lot of good players, but no great players. Well, one, one time I remember I, I went all in for the top two running backs and the second best quarterback, and I had like forty dollars left after that. But I still won the league because I had the like three of the four best players in the league. Yeah. So I mean, it, sometimes it works out, but other times, you know, Christian McCaffrey tears his ACL, and you know, you're screwed. I was like me last year when I picked Saquon Barkley with the second pick in the draft and second second week, he's out. So what do I do this year? Second round, Saquon Barkley. I got him again. <laughs> Take two. All right. Well, uh, let's get into actual talking about movies. That's what we're here to talk about and not football. But you can expect at least, you know, five to ten minutes of football talk at the start of every 
podcast for now until like February. But uh, make sure you're catching us all over the internet. Uh, we have our podcast pretty much wherever you can find your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify. Uh, also, you can find clips and some other stuff on YouTube. If you search Almost Sideways, you can find our show. You can find the Daily Notes. Uh, you can find the Almost Side Show, which is still up there. Haven't decided if or when we're doing season two of the, of the Side Show, but uh, but the, the first season on Band of Brothers is there and on the podcast feed as well. All right. What are we drinking today? Zach. I'm having some fabulous Agua Fria. Very nice. Here's Very nice. the Starbucks cup. <clears throat> I like it. Consistency. Name of the game. Todd. Uh, this is a cocktail of some rosé vodka that is from, that is, uh, it's the brand Effin vodka from Holland, which is some of my favorite vodka. So it's rosé and it's actually uh, cranberry juice with it. Which actually is a really smooth blend. So nice, nice. I have I went to Ridge Walker and got something that um, you guys have had. I don't know if you remember that you've had it, but you had it. Uh, this is the uh, Wheat and the Giant Peach, their anniversary beer. Um, it's just it's just really good and refreshing with the it, it, with the the peach finish to it. So I decided to give it another shot, and it's their anniversary beer, so they're not going to have it for very long. So. Nice. Nice. I vaguely remember hearing the name of that. I don't remember drinking it. Oh, we'll take your stuff. word for it. It's good stuff. All right. Let's get into what we've been watching. What did we watch this week? We are going to start with Todd. All right. I went to a Matt Dillon movie. And went it is... to a Matt Dillon movie. No, I didn't go to a Matt Dillon movie. Oh, I... Oh, okay. I, mean, I, 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 I get it now. I get it now. I was going to say, he, he had a movie come out this week? <laughs> I went over to Matt Dillon from Mickey <laughs> Rourke, uh, and I went and I saw this uh, 2020 movie directed by Alice Winokauer called Proxima. And it is a um, space sci-fi-ish movie. Uh, Eva Green is the star of the movie. She plays Sarah, who's an astronaut, and she's chosen for this Mars mission for the International Space Station. Proxima is like the name of the crew or the mission or whatever. And uh, she has to struggle with like, balancing her career with being a parent because uh, she's got this young daughter played by Zelly Boulant. And um, their relationship is sort of strained because she takes her career really seriously and she's separated from her spouse and she's kind of reluctant to leave her daughter with him during this long mission that she got, this like year-long mission that she got chosen for. And Matt Dillon plays Mike, who's one of the other members of the crew. And he's like a total asshole. Like, just a perfect... Matt Dillon role. He's he's so good at playing that kind of role. And he's like derogatory toward her at first, like thinking that she's only chosen because she's a woman. He calls her like a space tourist. And um, and so she's really just has to prove herself by how she conducts herself because she gets like zero respect from anybody. Uh, the director is the director of Mustang, which was nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Oscars uh, in 2015. It's not really like a, a typical sci-fi movie because it's more like about the characters. It's meditative. It, it's built looking like it's going to be like the Claire Denis movie High Life or something or like Ad Astra. But it really, none of it takes place in space. It's all about the training sequences. Like the whole movie basically takes place and was shot at a legit like space training complex. And there's some really cool sequences. Like they're, they're like training for this underwater or like worst case scenario thing where they have to go out in, outside the ship and repair part of the ship and uh, rescue another person that was stranded outside. And... 
there's also this part that I've never seen dramatized in a movie before where they're like have this uh this quarantine period before they actually take off, which makes sense, but I've never seen that actually talked about in a movie before. And that seems like this really horrible time for them, like having to actually quarantine in like this like really like like a hotel away from everybody and everything before they leave the earth. Uh but I mean I just never seen that explored before. It's kind of a cool sequence. And that Eva Green's amazing in this it's probably her best performance ever. It's like a really humane story and emotional for the most part. And it wasn't really what I was expecting. I could see how people would think that was underwhelming, but I kind of liked it and I'm giving it three stars. Nice. Nice. What are you talking about, man? I can think of several quarantine sequences. Like, I mean, in First Man and Apollo 13 and maybe the right stuff. I don't know. No, I mean, what that was. That was actually made a thing about it. I don't. I've never. I've, well, the, I've never. The last scene of First Man is all about quarantine. It is. But okay, yeah, well, I'll take I mean, your word for it. This was making it seem like it, it was like one of the more grueling parts of like the actual training. It was like they actually had to go away from everybody before they were going away from everybody. And that was that. That's Apollo thirteen. There. I mean, that's why they have the whole scene of across the road and they. And say hi, but they can't actually get near them. Anyways, okay, okay. cool. Well, I mean, it was cool. You guys probably liked the movie. It was, it was good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. it looks like uh, High Life meets uh, Room because the poster looks like Room, except with Brie Larson as an astronaut. Yeah, perfect. All right, so I'm going to go next. My Oscar watch for this week, going back 20 years to a Best Foreign Film nomination. Out of India, this movie is called Lagan, Once Upon a Time in India. You weren't going to ask us that? No, I wasn't going to ask I never that. Do you know I've yeah. actually heard of that movie? Have you? Yes. Oh, nice. It, it, got I a, mean, it came to the United States. I remember when it came out. Yeah, it's got 109,000 votes on IMDb. So, I mean... It's like one of the biggest Indian seen. movies of all time. Yeah. So, it, also, and it's on Netflix, so it's easy to find right now. If any of you... If anybody else out there wants to uh, dedicate three hours and 45 minutes of their time to uh, <laughs> to a Bollywood movie. But uh, this is pro- this is the first like legit Bollywood movie I've seen. I watched a, a Bollywood attempt at a like a psycho thriller a couple years ago called Mrs. Serial Killer. That's also on Netflix. And it was horrible. But this one is actually pretty good. Uh, even though it has a long runtime, so uh, Lagan in uh, in Indian means tax, and this takes place uh, during the Victorian era India with British occupation there, and how they are taxed ridiculously to the point that they're poor, so that the uh, British soldiers and the British rulers can live extravagantly. And uh, they're in the middle of a drought, and so the year before they asked if they can only pay half the tax since nothing is growing and they said sure so in the uh so the next year the uh british rulers are saying now you got to pay double the tax because you only paid half last year and someone stands up to him and says that's not fair and he says fine let's make a wager we will forgive all of your tax for the next three years if you can beat us in a game of cricket and uh if you lose you have to pay triple the tax and this, uh, the uh, main character, his name is Buvan. He is the one that uh, stands up to uh, Captain Russell, who's played by Paul Blackthorne. Buvan is played by Amir Khan, who is a big time Bollywood star. And uh, he says, let's do it. 
and he's never even heard of cricket before. He's watched them play it a little bit, and he doesn't knows nothing about it. Uh, so he has to learn the game first without a teacher. Well, luckily, Captain Russell's sister, uh, Elizabeth, played by Rachel Shelley, kind of uh, has some sympathy for them and teaches them the game. And uh, the last, like, hour, hour and a half is the game. So uh, it, it goes blow by blow through cricket. Uh, one problem with it is it doesn't fully under, uh, explain how cricket works and i still am not a hundred percent sure but after watching this movie i feel like i get a little bit more of it like it started it's starting to make a little bit of sense um there's musical numbers that pop up and and dance sequences and and things there's a love triangle that develops between buvon and elizabeth and uh gari played by gracie singh uh which is kind of uh an interesting little sidetrack they take um this was this was a lot of fun. Like I said, it's a three star movie for me. Um, it's three hours and 45 minutes long, but it really doesn't feel it, even though it takes a long time to get through. At no point are you bored by it. I mean, it's it's interesting all throughout. And Bollywood movies are just filled with so much life and energy and joy. And uh, I mean, it's the score at time is is a little ridiculous as it is overly dramatic, but the music is really good music by AR Rockman, who uh, won some Oscars for some dog millionaire. Uh, so solid three-star movie. Apparently I'm just reading here on the IMDb page. The original cut was seven and a half hours long. So it's a good thing. They didn't decide to go with that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bagan once upon a time in India. Yeah. I remember that movie came out and uh, I mean, Amir Khan is ar- arguably was one of the big- biggest movie stars in the world. And uh I don't know about you guys, but in the theaters uh, here in the Kansas City metro area, there's always an Indian movie playing. I don't know if that's because there's a large Indian population here, but uh, there's like always new Indian releases. So um, that's every now and then one will pop up here, but um, not all the time. Yeah, like a a couple weeks ago, I was at the movies and um, there was an yeah, there was a a Bollywood movie that was playing at the theater and there was like a full on tailgate outside (laughs) the theater. With like this entire like they took up like half the parking lot like all the, there was basically like every Indian person was like going to see this movie and they were all like partying beforehand. I was like, that's kind of awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, like they had like a barbecue in the middle of the parking lot at the mall. It was awesome. So maybe that isn't just in Lawrence. It was kind of interesting as it was going through because you had you had British people in this, so there were some actually speaking English. But the really funny part is they'd start speaking English and then uh, an Indian narrator would speak over the top, like translating what they were saying. It's like, he just said that I'm like, no, just let me listen to the English. And so I had to listen to Indian on top of English while reading the English subtitles. It was it was odd, but and I mean, I get it, but it was just like. Can we have an option to turn that part off? We don't need the translator. <laughs> For that bit but yeah it was fun it, it, it bollywood movies are fun so all right zach all right i didn't watch a movie this week but i did watch on netflix the new limited series um starring sandra O oh called the chair and it is a uh six episode um i guess miniseries about uh 
a chair of an English department at a fictional university, Pembroke University, although it's clearly modeled off of uh, Ivy League institutions. Um, Sandra O plays the the new titular department chair, who is uh, one of the only uh, faculty members who is not male or white or old. And uh, the show definitely has an axe to grind against academia's um, multicultural problem, diversity problem. And I think it's it's long overdue. It's cool to see a show actually tackle that. Um, and uh, it has a pretty cool cast too. Jay Duplass is in this show, and he plays the kind of badass. A uh, rogue English professor who's, uh, you know, everybody's favorite professor because he wrote a best-selling novel. But early on in the show, he does something fairly controversial in his classroom that leads to uh, student protests against him and ultimately um, debates about uh, his tenure. Um, we also have David Morse as the dean of the school. Holland Taylor is the floozy old English faculty member. Bob Balaban is in it too. Um, you know, Sandra Oh, she's no longer the wine chick at Kalyra. She's amazing in this show. I love her. I wish she would do more work. Um, it's not like the most thought-provoking show in the world, and I think it has some easy targets, but, you know, 30-minute episodes, they're pretty enjoyable. There is a scene in it uh, where Sandra Oh does take her young daughter bowling, which is, you know, obviously unmistakable parallels. Uh, but uh, it is a fun time at, at uh, kind of relatively brainless TV with, you know, a few uh, names thrown out like Melville and Hawthorne to make it sound more intelligent than it is, but it's actually a decent show and I enjoy it. So nice. created by Amanda Peet, which is interesting. I didn't know that she write, writ, wrote stuff. And I've never heard anyone describe Jay Duplass as a badass before, so that is very intriguing. Oh yeah, he's like, you know, he's like the rebel. I mean, the thing that I like about the show is that I think you know, after spending a lot of years in academia as a grad student, I think it gets a lot of things accurate. And one of the most uh, perfect things about it is the idea that if you're a professor, you can basically turn 75, 80, 85 and not have to retire. Now, no matter how irrelevant uh, your lectures are and no matter how much you're phoning it in. So the show, I think, has a lot to say about the tenure process and it has some good old quirky uh characters in it but yes jay duplass is definitely the badass you can't you can't see that i think it's a good role for him he was the badass in uh, the safety not guaranteed it's, it's sort of a similar role or was Wait, that mark duplass that was mark duplass okay like, well, duplass is the one that was named that duplass but uh, <laughs> transparent was right? he in hump day which was the one in who was in hump that day? was mark duplass okay jay duplass doesn't act that much okay. but he's definitely not a badass <laughs> he is in this show okay all right, so there we go. That's what we've been watching. Now let's get into our featured review. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zack movie ever made. You gotta see it. Movie reviews. And for this week, our featured review is the brand new horror film that hit theaters this weekend, Candyman. This is where it all began. Story of Candyman. Local character, he walk around handing out candy to the neighborhood kids. One day, a couple of kids get razor blades in their candy. Police come around. That's when I saw the true face of fear. Get on your knees. Hands, hands, hands. They beat him, tortured him, killed him right there on the spot. A couple weeks later, more razor blades and more candy. 
he been innocent. So he's who? Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman, you ask me, stay away. I feel really connected to this story. Go on. Right here, in this neighborhood, the legend started. Uh-huh. And the legend is, if we say his name five times while looking in the mirror, we could summon him. Summon the Candyman. Hell no. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. I don't want to get creeped out in my new apartment before bed. Candyman. Black people don't need to be summoning. No. I dare you. Don't say that. Say his name. Candyman. You better not do that last one. Candyman. Candyman. You want to be a part of the story, right? No. Say his name. Candyman. Anthony? Anthony. Anthony. You okay? Anthony. What the hell is going on? This neighborhood is haunted. I think I made a mistake. I brought him back. Candyman isn't real. He chose you. He has purpose for you. Tell everyone. <laughs> New to the neighborhood. You should say it. Candyman. Say his name. Candyman! Uh, it says on IMDb it's a spiritual sequel of uh, the, the 1992 version. And I'm going to attempt to start at this one, even though this is totally not my thing, but I'm going for it. I always make you guys talk about stuff that's not your thing. So, so here we go. So Candyman, directed by Nia DaCosta. Uh, stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen as Anthony McCoy, who is an up-and-coming artist who runs into randomly um, a man who tells him the legend of the Candyman. And uh, and so he gets kind of obsessed by it. He tries to summon him by saying his name five times into a mirror. And, uh, and he creates an art exhibit that talks about the Candyman. And so you end up having all these people starting to experiment with it and they end up dying. And then you find out that that Anthony McCoy isn't dying, but other things are happening to him that are kind of strange and he doesn't know what's going on. And and that's a basic plot of The Candyman. Um, this movie, I haven't seen the original one. I'm going to throw that out there. Have either of you seen the, the 1992 one? Okay. Zach, Zach has Todd shaking his head. No. Okay. So I'm not seeing it. I don't know how much I'm missing by not seeing it. Uh, I, looking at it, looks like some of the actors returned for the new one, but I, I had a hard time getting into this movie. I had a hard time really connecting with what was going on. I mean, it's a horror film that really never had a ton of, horror in it i mean it had some some violence and some weird stuff but nothing that was really gonna like scare you uh and the payoff at the end i felt was was kind of lazy and didn't work and uh i i don't know i'm giving it two stars i i thought this was i'm 
good in theory. It had a good setup, but it really felt like it didn't really know how to handle what it was doing. And it uh, and it kind of fell flat for me. So, um, I mean, without spoiling too much of it, that that's about that, that's where I'm at with it. So, Zach, you have seen the original. So I'm going to go to you next. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, I'm a big fan of the original Candyman. I think it has um, sort of a unique place as sort of like an indie horror movie of the early 90s that kind of had a cult following. It definitely had some sequels and it was a Virginia Madsen movie. And um, and in the new Candyman, uh, basically, if you haven't seen the original movie, that's OK, because the events of it are described by a character in the movie in the first 20 minutes. One of the cool things about this movie um, is that it does kind of like character cutouts of uh, some backstory that very much looked like the Babadook. And I think that's a really cool way of um, not, you know, basically having phony flashback sequences. That's one of the coolest like parts. Um, and Virginia Madsen's voice is in the movie. Um, it's a spiritual sequel or remake. I, it's not really, it's definitely not a remake. I guess the closest thing you could say is it's kind of like the David Gordon Green Halloween movie. It kind of forgets that the sequels ever happened to, to, to Candyman. Um, but um, I pretty much completely disagree with Terry. I found this movie really uh, fascinating. I like what they did uh, with the creation of the new characters. Uh, this movie, uh, the original movie was also very much a movie about social inequalities. Uh, a good portion of the movie was just Virginia Madsen walking around Cabini Green. And it was really one of the first movies to like show that complex in really stark detail. Um, the only other time in movie history that Kibiti Green had been shown really was uh, the uh, Kleonis Kotze, the, uh, the the Godfrey Reggio uh, uh, like nonfiction piece. Uh, but what I like about this movie is that um, there are unmistakable parallels to the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, again, racism, structural racism uh, built into the city of Chicago. Now, obviously, you don't go to a horror movie expecting or necessarily wanting uh, a lesson in that. Um, and the movie's not really subtle about it either, but uh, I found it kind of fascinating that the, that, that the backstory of Candyman, without revealing too much, is very much the backstory of African-American, especially African-American men who have basically been uh, sought after by the police and unfairly persecuted and many times uh, beaten up and, and, and killed. Uh, so I think there's a lot of relevance and timeliness to the movie. Jordan Peele is one of the writers and executive producers of the movie, so that, that's no surprise there. Um I thought uh, the the ending of the movie was was fascinating and complex, and I love the performances in the movie. Um, I think Nia DaCosta is a really talented filmmaker, and uh, I liked that this movie wasn't necessarily it's the, the typical kind of blood and guts that you would expect. It was sort of in the more body horror type genre. And uh, there, it's not a horror film in the sense that it has like jump scares or anything like that. It's a lot more gradual and it's a, a lot about how this main character, Anthony, kind of goes through, uh, you know, uh, mental anguish about what's real and what, what, uh, what isn't. Um, I'm giving this movie three stars because I will say the only reason it's not higher is I think I admired the more, movie more than I actually really loved it. I think there were times when it was a little slow and um, 
maybe a little bit almost abstract at times. Uh, but I definitely liked it more than you did, Terry. I thought it was a really creative take on um, a fascinating movie serial killer slash villain that I think is a lot deeper than Freddy or Jason or any of those other kind of slashers from the era in which the original Candyman came out. And I love the visual look of the movie. So uh, I'm, I'm disappointed you you didn't uh, you didn't uh, you know absorb the movie more and and like it more. Well, and going going to some of what you were saying about the, the the social aspect that it that it throws in, I didn't necessarily mind that too much. I thought it was kind of interesting, but at the same time, it was trying to have the 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 comic beats of a of one of Jordan Peele's other movies, and it I, I just didn't think it worked. I don't know. I felt like it was trying to be too many things all at once, and it just kind of ended up not being any of them. Todd, where are you at on this one? I am right with Terry on this, actually. The the best part of the movie, honestly, is Coleman Domingo. Like, he's in everything right now. He's got this big, booming voice. He's going to be a Star Wars villain or something at some point. Like, he is awesome in this movie. He's like the new Keith David. That's there or something, you know. But um, the movie has a really old-fashioned approach to horror. Because I feel like it's just a series of characters telling stories. Like, there's like you take breaks a lot through this movie. Just people telling stories about what's happened in the past. And it certainly is inspired by Peel. You could see his uh, influence on the movie without his flash. I mean, uh, but uh, because Nia, Nia DeCosta is not really a good director at all. Like I, I, she doesn't have an eye for what she's for what she's portraying. Like I wasn't really a fan of Little Woods her uh, indie movie, but that was even better than this. Like, but the cool images in the movie seem kind of outdated. Like it, it, it's, it looks like kind of an early two thousands movie. Like the bees and stuff that easily could have been the same effect they used in The Wicker Man. Or something like that. It, it's I, I don't I don't really see how how this has advanced that much. Uh, and plus, we don't care about any of the characters really. Like Anthony McCoy, I mean, I guess similarly to when he was coming out of USC as a tight end, getting trapped by the Seahawks in the 2010 draft. But uh, his character was underdeveloped. Um, like wow. and, and and the the other the other characters are really kind of hard to decipher. They just like spring new characters on you. Like as you're you're supposed to know who they are, and you kind of lose track of who is who, and it doesn't really like do enough in the story to make it seem relevant because you're if you're not familiar with the material like t- the 2018 halloween i'm glad you mentioned that but that does a really good job at that like if you hadn't seen the original it still works as a thriller but this one it it, it fails almost immediately at bringing in a new audience because it's constantly talking back at, at what's happened in the past and so i don't i think it is absolutely a sequel it's i don't think it's a spiritual sequel at all but and the movie is also really short which is weird but it also doesn't have enough to really justify that length. Like what was with that scene with the high school girls in the bathroom? That was just some like random kill they threw in there just to make it longer than 80 minutes. I, I bet. Cause I mean, that was, that had nothing to do with anything. I, it, the it's girl a stri- had been at the, the art exhibit. That's why okay, she was well, yeah, I mean, man earlier in the movie. I know, but wh- why like, was that scene really necessary? Like well, we already knew that there, that's there what wouldn't happened. have been any payoff. We, we already, I don't know. We, we already knew that that's what would happen. I don't know. It, it's got it's got some cool things in it and they but they really really want you to know what gentrification is like it isn't exactly scary it's it's just like mansplains gentrification to you for the entire 90 minutes of this movie and i was just like okay it's kind of boring it's a, it was a two-star movie well i think some of the things you have to say are, are valid the, the biggest thing that i would 
disagree with you on is Nia DaCosta's talent as a director. I like Little Woods. I was actually a fan of that movie too. And I actually think she has a really good visual style in this movie. Um, one of the things I like about this movie is that it, I think it, it really benefits from being seen on the big screen. I'm glad it's not streaming anywhere because there are little details where Candyman actually shows up that you might not be able to visually see him like in the screen. Like he's, you know, maybe in a reflection, right? Or maybe he's like on the side of a mirror or something like that. I thought that aspect was really cool. And I also like how as a storyteller she does some interesting things like there's some unexpected jump forwards in this movie and flashbacks that you don't quite see i think there's some parallel action that's really interesting too so i totally disagree with you uh, uh, as uh, in terms of both her direction and storytelling and um yes i agree it is it is kind of a heavy-handed met metaphor but if you watch the first movie, the original movie, maybe this is why I, I, I'm more sympathetic to this movie. The first movie wasn't too much of a departure from that either. The first movie was also about how poverty basically generates this uh, and, and black trauma generate uh, terror in this community. And um, I, I, I really liked it. I, I think it's, it's actually sort of an important movie in, in ways. And I think it, it furthers what Jordan Peele is trying to do as, as a storyteller as well. And I thought the cast was really good in it. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really necessary movie that I quite enjoyed. I would have liked it more had it maybe, uh, you know, uh, been a little bit tighter uh, narratively. But you're, you're saying you're saying it needed to be tighter. There were some spots where you got bored. It's 90 minutes. I mean, mm -hmm. is there a problem with a movie that feels too long at 90 minutes? Yeah, so like DaCosta, like the, the the animated parts of this movie were actually a short film that she made last year. And so they just like expanded, like put things around that, I think, to make this movie. And that's why it like it's really stretching it to make it like a legitimate length to be a feature film. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't entirely disagree with some of your criticisms of it. I think it could have been a maybe it could have been a longer movie had it opted to go into the backstory more, I guess. But uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think on paper, for me, it's a really solid movie. I think the viewing experience of it maybe leaves a little less, a little more to be desired. But overall, I'm glad I saw it. And I, I disagree with your uh, criticisms about uh, the storytelling aspect of it. Well, as do I, most critics, you're, you, this is a movie that's getting pretty good reviews. And and it's looking like it'll be number one at the box office this weekend as well. So uh, I would encourage a lot you of to watch, it. watch the original. The original is a really good movie, too, obviously featuring friend of the podcast, Virginia Madsen. And uh, she's really good in that movie. And it tells a very different story in a lot of ways um, and is also not really a straightforward horror movie. I like I, I, it's just refreshing to have a movie that isn't just straightforward, um, you know, uh, jump scares and slaughter. So you like that in your comedies, not your horror. You like Naked Gun. You like the stupid schlocky stuff, but you don't like that in your horror movies uh sure <laughs> okay well i i will What's, say i want to know more about anthony mccoy why was he a, 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 a how did he uh not uh perform in as oh he was he was not a very good seahawk like he, <laughs> no he wasn't and he, like i was saying he was underdeveloped it he just said he like, was a uh, tight end yeah he yeah. was a tight end at a usc and that was one of pete carroll's first draft picks it, it was it was one of pete carroll's draft picks that pete carroll had in had in college like one of the only guys he drafted that he coached in college Nice. Is this in the the John Carlson era of tight ends in Seattle? Or? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Not not a very memorable era. No. Not no Etula Mealy by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> well, I so I will say, um, 
you guys are the ones that wanted to review this one. Honestly, I had no desire to see it in the first place because I didn't think it looked good from the trailer. And it ended up just being a, pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. So that's kind of where I'm at. So two stars from me and Todd. Three stars from Zach. My wife Again, loved it. Like, Sammy, Sammy thinks it's her number one movie of the year. She was all over it. Wow. Well, and and like you said, a lot of the critics are are on your side with this, too. And apparently audiences are, too. It's number one at the box office right now. So uh, Candyman is in theaters now. Um, listen to what we talked about. If it sounds like something you want to see, go see it. Or, or not. Go see it. Go to the movies. It, it's worth going. There's not a whole lot of people at the movies right now. So uh, the more we get out in the movies, the better it'll be. Okay. So that is Candyman. Oh, and ju- just to throw this out there, Nia DaCosta, she's, she is definitely an up-and-coming director. And as all... Uh, young up-and-coming directors um she also is now working on a marvel film so uh, she has the marvels coming out next year starring uh brie larson as captain marvel and tiona paris from Candyman because she was also in wandavision so the movie is called the marvels it's called the marvels yeah not captain marvel 2 it's called the marvels that is that is awful <laughs> coming to theaters november 11th 2022 so it, apparently it's filming right now. But if you've seen WandaVision, Tiona Paris is pretty awesome in WandaVision. So, um, so yeah. All right. Let's move on. Power rankings time. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse. I'm going to pull an audible at the last minute here. That's because I haven't seen it. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. Let's get into our power rankings and Todd won again. So I think with Adam's help, he picked this category. Yeah, I was sort of getting tired of picking the category because I don't really have any ideas. But uh, (laughs) with Adam's input, we decided on we are coming up with the best uh, A24 scenes. So A24 is one of the best. Uh, studios out there right now. I think we've reviewed a couple of them recently, like Zach reviewed Val, and we reviewed The Green Knight. Like they've they've got a ton of good stuff, and uh, over over a hundred movies at this point, all in the last like ten years. But uh, the only caveats I said, I we cannot choose Uncut Gems because obviously it's the power rankings, and because that would just probably be all five of Zach's picks and my picks, and we can only have one per movie. So, but I mean, I know we've all seen a lot of these a lot of these movies, so. I think it'll be. Was that actually a rule, a rule? Only one per movie. I mean, I yeah. that's what I did, but I didn't remember that. That was a rule. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I was actually surprised at how few A twenty four movies I've actually seen. So. Really? Like how many? Uh, twenty three. So it's still I, a decent I, amount to pick it, from. It's a decent amount to pick from, but as I went through, I'm like, wow, there's. Yeah, they they have a lot more to pick from than I do because I was like, oh yeah, Todd's seen that one. Well, and and Adam's seen that one, and Zach's seen that one. Nope, no. So, all right. Well, let's see how the let's see how this goes. We're gonna go to uh, Zach first. I think Terry, you and I should review uh, Todd's uh, power rankings, um, like each episode. We'll see what. <laughs> what it is in two weeks too. We'll review that after he wins this one. Yeah. This was a really, I'm giving you guys a one point handicap. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Make it two, make it three. Who cares? Uh, 
how, is, how are we how are we scoring his or if we or how are we merloing this? Are we merloing if we have the same movie or are we or like are we scoring it if we have the right movie for Adam or what? I think I think we're scoring. I think Merlot only if it's the same scene. Okay. <laughs> I think it should be the movie. <laughs> I, the movie, okay. Then Merlot if it's the movie, and I think we're look at looking at Adams. It's like worth ten points. What if we get the right scene? <laughs> if you get the right scene, it's it, it's it's worth double. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. what I. That's oh, what okay. I, think. I see. I see. I thought it was like each one was worth so, ten points. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like, like. If okay. you get if you get the movie, it's worth a point, and if you get the scene, it's worth a point. So, okay. like, his, gotcha. guessing his list is worth a total of ten points. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish this list. This list would have been a lot more interesting if it was just favorite a24 movies because there's a lot of them that i like and a lot of them i can't remember specific scenes from so if i kind of blend the two don't blame me too much i'm gonna try my best to pick out certain moments um and pretty much all the picks that i have are movies that i like except for my number five because this was an example where i remembered the scene better than i remembered the rest of the movie it might be mentioned on here again. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Merlot, but I'm going with the Britney Spears every time scene from Spring Breakers. I actually left that off because I've had that number one of like several things. <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe it's like a spiritual Merlot, just like a spiritual Merlot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, Todd's a, a much bigger fan of Spring Breakers than I am. Um, I want to rewatch it. Um, I think I understand Harmony Kareen a little better after watching that 30 minute clip of, of his three appearances on the David Letterman show. Um, if you haven't, by the way, watch that. That's really awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, Spring Breakers is a misunderstood movie. Um, Todd recently said that There Will Be Blood was the Citizen Kane of our generation. Does that make Spring Breakers like the, I don't know, what, what does that make that of our generation? Like the meshes of the afternoon of our generation or like maybe you know Nosferatu I don't know but I like that scene it's funny great music it occurs at a movie when at a point in the movie when I was really getting bored and frustrated with it and it's a great interlude it's a great song it's an iconic moment it's one of the great cinematic moments of the 2010s so um you got to go with that every time scene in Spring Breakers Todd e echo those sentiments please <laughs> Well, I mean, I have like uh, Alien is one of the great characters of all time. I think I've had him number one of like several things, like uh, most essential employees, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I I don't know. You mentioned I had... Britney Spears at one point, didn't you? I don't know. I, I mean, like... I I like I've had that scene. I think. Yeah. I mean, I can look it up. What I had. Hold on. Looking this up. What a what all I've mentioned this for. It, I mean, it obviously is a is a just a stellar scene. Most essential employees number two. Unexpected performances, uh, number one, and best scenes of the 2010s, number one. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, it would have been my number one if I, I would just be like, I want to choose different things. So I took nice. the rain for, from you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. All right. Todd, do you want to go next or you want to go last? I don't care. I'll go. You'll go. Okay. Todd, number five. Uh, my number five comes from A Most Violent Year, which... I think is one of the best movies of the last decade. And it was a, sort of a climactic moment is where uh, Julian meets his demise. And uh, the, mov the movie is amazing. It's like a pseudo mob movie, crime drama about an oil company owner in the 1980s, New York. But the, the scene 
is like staged in a way that has like such just precision and subtlety and it's really tragic but it needed to happen for that character and the reactions of everybody in the scene are genuine and perfect and the movie is kind of close to perfect too like jc chandler is a genius it's like the aura of a 70s thriller and it never misses a note and this is one scene that like will will absolutely stick with you after watching it yeah so most violent year nice pick nice pick yeah again that's a movie i really like i don't even remember that quite honestly it was like yeah. on a dock or something. It's like, I don't know. If you saw one still from it, you would remember the scene, I'm sure. So I'm kind of at a same at a similar point as Zach, where I looked at the list of the 23 uh, A24 movies I've seen, and for most of them, I looked at it and said, oh yeah, I really like that movie. And then having to think of a scene from it, I went, yeah, I can't really remember any one specific scene from it that I really like. So that that made this list really tough. Like, A Most Violent Year, I thought it was a brilliant movie. I don't remember, like, any specific scenes from it, other than the fact that Oscar Isaac is channeling Al Pacino. Uh, so coming up with, these are five scenes that I actually remembered. Uh, so that's where I, what I've got here. Number five on my list is from one of the more original movies I've seen over the last 10 years. And that is from Swiss Army Man. And uh, it is the discovery scene where uh, where Paul Dano is getting ready to he's lost on a deserted island. He's thinking about ending it all. And this dead body of Daniel Radcliffe washes ashore and can do stuff and it's that that's that he's the swiss army man but just just that that opening scene where you see him show up and kind of just change the life of the character of paul dano's character it it's it was a very memorable scene and it was it showed exactly how quirky this movie really really is and so uh so that's my number five I kind of knew you were going to choose that something from that movie. <laughs> That's maybe the most Terry A24 movie. Probably. Probably. <laughs> All right. Zach, number four. Okay. Number four. This is again where it just gets a little bit questionable, but uh, I'm going to go with the movie. I know Todd is a big fan of. He actually told me to watch it and I did. And I'm really thankful he told me that. And that is American honey. And, oh, okay. I will there shut up. Go. Okay. Great. God, number four. I hope he can describe it better than I can. <laughs> it might not be the first thing, I don't know. Um, my number four comes from a 2021 movie, Azola, which um, I'm talking about the eventual confrontation with Dion, played by Jason Mitchell. Um, the movie is a, it's a fantastic movie. I know Zach wasn't as big of a fan of it, but the first moment you meet Dion uh, with, with Derek, who's just a great character, you know something's up, but when you actually see what, what he's uh, up to, it's like the most intense scene in the entire movie. And Zola goes completely off the rails. It's captivating and crazy at the same time. And, um, but I mean, I, I think it works. And and this scene is one of those scenes, um, like there's a handful of scenes I guess I could have chosen because it was it's still sort of fresh in my mind. But the, the, the hotel scene with Dion, uh, right after like that gangbang scene, like uh, it, it's it's nuts. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's something like that. I mean, again, Coleman Domingo, he's in everything and he's awesome in this movie too. I haven't seen Zola. 
Yeah, there are a lot of good scenes in that movie. Even though I wasn't a fan of it as much as you were, I was actually thinking about some scenes from that movie, and that was definitely one of them. That was one of the high points of that movie. But any scene with Derek, I think Derek's the real breakout star in that movie. I want to yeah, mention his name. Paul Dano should have played it. Derek. <laughs> that, that's a quote from a different movie. All right, number four on my list. It, it, I, Tanya. Oh. Paul oh, Hauser. Not an A24 movie. Not an A24 movie. Uh, number four on my list is is really one of the more memorable A24 movies in uh, in my mind, and that's uh, Midsommar. And the scene I went with is the jump. Because that is... if yeah. There's so many interesting scenes in this movie. But when you see that scene, you realize just how horrific and terrifying a movie in broad daylight can be. Uh, and you you see just how insane and ridiculous that this community is and how just off the rails things could potentially get. And that that's like the scene where everything just takes a really bizarre turn for the rest of the movie and goes nuts from there. So uh, that was my pick at number four. With that giant mallet to uh, fix the problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. I'm surprised none of you had a midsummer uh, uh, scene on your list. Well, I had a very depressing movie, and <laughs> yeah. All right, Zach, number three. All right, number three. I'm going going to go with The Witch, uh, which I think I'm a bigger fan of than either of you. Um, and I'm going to go with the scene that, well, I'll try to carefully not spoil the movie too much. I'm going to go with the, the Black Phillip scene, which is toward the end of the movie, where we, uh, let's just say that uh, the uh, uh, Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy character sort of reveals who she really is by talking to a demonic presence. And it's just one long static shot. It's really fascinating. It just is her sort of expression. And, uh, you know, uh, it's always, it's a cliche in horror movies that, you know, what's truly terrifying, though the most terrifying thing is what's off screen. And so we never really get a good visual of Black Phillip or what that character is sort of encompassing or inhabiting. Um, but we do know it's some sort of demonic presence. And the way that she's just transfixed, it, transfixed by it is really great acting and also, if you watch the scene on YouTube, um, it has been replayed many, many times for ASMR purposes because the voice of Black Phillip apparently is very smooth and tingly. Um, a lot of great scenes in that movie, though. You could also, I could also go with the, the end scene of that movie and then uh, the, the, the death of the, the boy in that movie, the brother, is uh, one of the most amazing kid acting scenes ever. But that's a, I'm a real big fan of that movie and um, many, many good choices. But that's one that stands out. So what you're saying is the witch is better than the lighthouse. Oh yes, for sure. Yes, and I know I like the lighthouse more than you, both of you. But I'm I'm actually legitimately a, a big fan of the witch. Doesn't Robert Eggers have another movie coming out this year? The Northman. Is that what it is? Yep. Okay. It's starting to make well, some theater runs. I may have it? to assign or some, you some festival runs. I mean, I may have to assign you the witch at some point, Terry. Okay. All right, Todd. Number three. My number three comes from a movie I don't think you guys have seen. It's uh, a prayer before dawn, um, and it's uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of the more like I guess underseen movies the last five years. But um, it follows this guy Billy, who's like a British boxer who gets incarcerated in a just like really violent 
Thailand prison. It's a true story. And he he's like a is forced to fight in prison tournaments in order to like earn his freedom, I guess. And um, the scene that I'm thinking of is where he can't get his painkillers from like the guards. Because and he he was he was getting it because it was after a fight he was in pain but he's also a drug drug addict so they wouldn't actually give it to him and he, they refuse and he just like goes ballistic and I think he like bites like the neck area of one of the guards and it might have been his ear but I can't really tell but he's like covered in blood afterwards and uh, he's just going insane and everybody's around him just watching him and it, it kind of establishes that kind of persona that he needed which is like okay you don't want to mess with this guy but I mean it, it's a pretty disturbing movie but it's a really good movie and it, it was it's kind of thrilling and the guy Joe Cole. Uh, I think he should have been nominated for an Oscar. He was unbelievable in that movie. So, A Prayer Before Dawn. Check it out. We'll take your word for it. All right. Number three on my list is probably the coolest A24 movie that I've seen, and that is Ex Machina. And the scene I went with is when the Damal Gleeson character meets the machine. And it's... It's the most memorable, the most iconic scene from that movie. And it just shows how creepy Alicia Vikander is in this movie. How much she got nominated for the wrong movie that year. She should have won for Ex Machina. Instead, she won for The Danish Girl. But it it just shows this brilliant performance, the brilliant visuals, and just this bizarre connection you feel immediately between those two characters. And uh, it, it, it's an awesome movie and um, and just a really cool scene. So number three, Meeting the Machine in Ex Machina. That's a good one. Yeah, not the scene I would have thought you would go with from Ex Machina, but it's a very good choice. I would even, I would even consider, since apparently neither of us are going to talk about it, I, I think the last scene in that movie is really awesome too. It is. Yeah. All right, Zach, number two. All right, since we can't go with Uncut Gems, we're going to go with the next best thing, which is Good Time. Any Merlots? No. Okay. A lot of good scenes to choose from from this movie. Never Uh, seen Good Time. What? (laughs) Jeez. Wow. (sighs) Okay, so The Witch, Good Time. I got to assign you those at some point. Um, for me, it was two scenes that kind of go back to back. So I'm just going to maybe consider them one scene. I don't know. Todd can call me out on it. But I'm going to go with the basically the opening 10 minutes of the movie, which at first is a therapy session between this therapist and the Benny Safdie character. Um, and, and it's shot in these really kind of cool, like handheld close-ups. I mean, if you aren't getting a sense of anxiety from the Safdie Brothers filmmaking style, then you know this is a great scene to sort of introduce you to that. But then I also love um, when Robert Pattinson just busts into the room and takes his brother away and they proceed to go uh, rob a bank, but the dye pack actually blows up in Robert Pattinson's face. And so when they're running away from the cops, he's got this purple dye all over his face. It's the best, uh, you know, uh, dye scene since Dennis Hopper opened the the money case at the end of Speed and the dye went all over his face. Robert Pattinson does a great job with that. And uh, I know it's not really one scene, but it's a great way to open the movie. And if we can't include Uncut Gems, then we need to include Good Time, which is a, a worthy uh, second or third best Safdie Brothers movie. It is it is, uh, it is, is the paper. It is, uh, you know, um, whatever, Jerry Maguire. It is the lead up to the greatness that we now know the Safdie Brothers are. So Uncut Gems is the only Safdie Brothers movie I've seen. 
They don't and have will, many. They have they don't, like yeah. four, I think. Yeah. And I will also say that you forgot about the other iconic cash die scene from Police Academy. Yeah. Is it Police Academy 3? I want to say it's, <sighs> it was Sweet Chuck that it exploded all over. <laughs> How do they not include yes. a scene like that in Naked Gun 33 and a third? That's what I, I know. know. I know. That's my flaw. I said there it were might no have been three. Yeah, you're, I mean, it's definitely not four. It's not. I mean, it's not five or six. Yeah, it's got to be three or two. I, I was thinking it was three or six because I think it, it was Sweet Chuck. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. We'll have to figure this out. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to watch all of them again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right, Todd. Number two. Do a sideshow of Peace Academy. There um, we go. Now we're talking. My number two comes from another movie you probably haven't seen. It's The Last Movie Star, which was one of the last movies mm. starring uh, Burt Reynolds. And I'm choosing the move, the the scene where Vic, who is... Okay, well, Vic is like Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds, and he's an old movie star who's pat, like way out of the game, but he's invited to a film festival for a Lifetime Achievement Award, but it's like this podunk film festival in the middle of nowhere run by, at, behind someone's bar and like obviously not prestigious. So he kind of goes through like a self-discovery thing at the time. And um, this is one of those scenes, and it's the scene where he is actually interacting with uh, Burt Reynolds' character in Deliverance, because he's out fishing, and he, um, like, um, he's, like, old and frail and drunk, so he's just sort of laying in the boat, but then he starts, like, um, hallucinating, like, his character in Smoking the Bandit, and then his character in Deliverance. And it's a really poignant scene. It sounds really corny, but it's not corny. It's actually, like, a really somber reflection scene, and Burt Reynolds, I think, gives the best performance he's ever given in, the, in, in, in this role, and... Uh, the last movie star was really cool, like swan song movie for him. And uh, sadly, not that many people have seen it. Nice. Yeah, I remember you saying it was good. Well, technically, right. the last oh, yeah. role he ever played was when he read for the uh, the role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's true. That this isn't actually his last build. I think he actually has a movie that hasn't come out yet that he had something part of. But he was the actual like star of this movie, at least. All right, number two on my list. I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to talk about quite yet because it is a scene from the Florida Project. Merlot. There we go. Well, it, I mean, you're next, so okay, go for I, it. I'll I'll talk about it, and then you can talk about yours. My my scene from the Florida Project that I went with is <clears throat> the scene with the creep, uh, who's just kind of hanging around the uh, the hotel, and uh, and just kind of how how Willem Dafoe's character handles that and in in his own way protects the girls. Uh, it, it's just a really cool crafted scene and it's one it, it's one of the more memorable scenes from that movie because it, in a movie that is very real and lived in where nothing really crazy happens, that is like the the like one of the moments especially for the Willem Dafoe character where he like actively does something and shows who he truly is in one moment there so that's a that's the scene I went with what scene did you go with for your number one Zach it's kind of interesting you picked that scene that's one of the few scenes in that movie that I actually don't like that much oh interesting I, I, I feel like that scene makes the Willem Dafoe character a little too heroic when he should be a little bit more sleazy I know that the movie is very sympathetic to him as a character but I just that scene to me feels a little bit more forced and a little bit unrealistic. Um, especially when you consider why Bobby is doing this job. I mean, that's not 
I don't know. I, I know he feels protective of the kids, but it's like we don't need it. We don't really need that scene. I feel like sort of it's sort of uh, unnecessary. Um, the scene I was going to go with is the end scene, which I think is maybe the best end scene of the, any movie of the of the of the 2010s. I mean, it's uh, an extraordinary <laughs> final scene. Um, you know, without spoiling it too much, it's Sean Baker doing his gorilla iPhone thing, but in a way you wouldn't expect. And, uh, it's beautiful and, uh, just, uh, a movie. It's the kind of ending that you could describe to people and it wouldn't sound nearly one tenth of as moving and as unexpected as it is. So it's the best, it's, it's gotta be the best ending to a, any A24 movie. Yeah, it, it's a great ending. All right. Yeah. Well, that's his number one. Todd, what's your Tell number us about one? American Honey. American Honey. Yeah. And I, yes. Yeah. I I chose the the, the it, it's sort of like a like a montage ish scene, but it's where Jake and Star are riding on top of the car, and I mean, so the movie okay, so Jake is like the leader of this group of uh, magazine subscription salespeople, and they go like city to city, door to door, and Star is like a runaway who they pick up, and she becomes like indoctrinated indoctrinated into their world, and. Uh, their relationship is kind of complicated, but they have this moment that where they're all like cruising down the street and star and Jake go out the sunroof and they just like sit there and they were like in bliss for like one minute. Like, it's like, it's, it's something that they don't feel like the movie is pretty like, like a more like ground in reality for a lot of the movie, but this is like a perks of being wallflower type thing where they're like, at like have an emotional high for the first time in the movie. And it's just a beautiful scene. And it's followed by a, a serious dose of reality similar to Perks being Wallflower, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a scene that I love, and it's one, of, I mean, it, it's a great movie. It's probably my favorite A24 movie, other than Uncut Gems, and uh, Riley Keough is obviously the the MVP of that studio, because it's two of my top four movies were uh, Riley Keough movies, so yeah, American Honey. I know, Terry, you haven't seen it, right? Nope, I haven't seen it. It's, I mean, it's it's a special movie. It is a really special movie. It's almost worthy of a deep dive. I mean, celebrating its five-year anniversary. I don't know how a many lot of characters. Yeah, it might not have a lot of characters, but it is a movie that I think very much is about the 2010s in this country. It's a very political movie, although it does it doesn't shove it in your face. And it's it's a movie that you need to watch probably a few times in order to fully grasp what the filmmaker is trying to convey. Um, I didn't go with that. Again, it's hard to pick out individual scenes in that movie. Um, my best supporting actress of 2016 is Riley Keough in that movie. I think it is a breakout performance. And so the scene I went with, at first I thought it was the first time we see her character, but actually thinking about it and watching the scene again on YouTube, it's like the second time we see her. And it's when she uh, confronts uh, Star for distracting Shia LaBeouf. And Shia LaBeouf is like putting on tanning lotion on her body and she's like standing in a bikini with a Confederate flag, I believe, in the hotel room. And she just totally rips apart Star. I mean, it is a total, like, complete demolition of this girl. And uh, that that role, it, it's the, per I can't think of another uh, actress who could possibly play that role, Crystal. She it, it's, it's, it's the role that Riley Keough was born to play. Um, and in, in fact, she really has played it in movies like Zola and uh, that yeah. uh, the, the the Steven Soderbergh race car movie. Um, yeah, it's kind of her at this point. I mean, but maybe that girl in a, in What's Put Them in Hollywood that uh, yeah, picks up. like she could exactly. play maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Margaret Qualley character. Yeah, but just, yeah. Uh, she's definitely carved out a niche, and that is a great like men like me mental and like 
um, I don't know, a psychological game that she plays with the star characters. Just it's it's wonderful to watch. It's great acting, and it's a really it's a really funny, tense uh, scene that you don't see a lot in movies these days, where a character just like goes right after the main character, and you're like, whoa! They sort of pull a one eighty. Love All it. right. <clears throat> Cool. Okay. If you're so... going to watch a three hour and 45 minute Indian movie that <laughs> several scenes of which involve a sport that you say you don't understand, then I think you can watch American Ani. I mean, that is, is a long movie too. It's like two hours and 40 minutes, but it's worth yeah. it. The best part about Lagan is the town Oracle was on the cricket team. And uh, yeah, he, he, he stood like if there were a home plate, he would stand with one foot on either side of the plate. That was his stance. <laughs> It was, yeah. Okay. Uh, my number one, I'm surprised, has not been mentioned at all. <clears throat> yeah, I kind of figured it would be mentioned. I, I, uh, it, it is kind of shocking. Yeah. It, it's one of the, uh, it's one of, I'd say it's one of the best acted scenes of, uh, of the last decade. And my number one is the scene where, uh, the mom drops Ladybird off at the airport. That wasn't uh, what I was thinking you were going to say. Yeah, I didn't think that one either. I thought you were going don't go in Timothy Chalamet. Or I thought you were going with Moonlight. <laughs> oh no, no oh, I'm going. I'm, movie. I'm going. I'm going Ladybird. Uh, yeah, that's my number Lady one. Um, Laurie Metcalf gives such an incredible performance in just that that little bit where she's alone in the car after she drops her off. Just that that tracking shot that stays with her that whole time, that unbroken shot, is just brilliant. And uh, and it's uh, of all the movies I've seen from A24, of all the scenes, that is like the most memorable scene of them all. Like I said, it's one of the best acted scenes, I think, of the last decade. Um, she, I, I think, I wish she could have won that Oscar simply for that scene. Um, and it's a brilliant movie, but that's my number one. Nice. All right. So let's uh, let's recap, do some honorable mentions and uh, and go from there. So, Zach, what do you got? Uh, My number five was uh, the uh, Britney Spears scene from Spring Breakers. Number four, Riley Keough in American Honey. Number three, Woodstyle love like to lift deliciously in The Witch, a.k.a. the Black Phillips scene. Number two is opening 10 minutes of good time. And number one is the final scene of The Florida Project. Todd. My number five was uh, Julian's death in um, once, uh, Most Violent Year. Number four was the, the confrontation with Dion in Zola. Number three is Billy when he can't get his painkillers in A Prayer Before Dawn. Number two was Vic fishing with his character in Deliverance in The Last Movie Star. And number one, I have Jake and Star on top of the car in American Honey. And for me, number five is The Discovery in Swiss Army Man. Number four is The Jump in Midsummer. Number three is Meeting the Machine in Ex Machina. Number two is uh, The Creep in The Florida Project. And number one is The Car Scene in Lady Bird. That's awesome. We had like 13 different movies mentioned. So <laughs> That's impressive. That's none impressive. of them were Moonlight. And none of them were, yeah. were Moonlight. They're, they're, they're best, best picture, picture winning from the studio, yes. Zach, yeah. do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I mean, Moonlight was one of my honorable mentions. I just thought you guys were going to mention it. Um, I would have gone with uh, the final. I mean, it's hard to pick specific scenes, but I would have gone with the final scene in the diner. Um, I, again, is that a scene? I don't know. But um, 
I really like that. That's my favorite part of the movie. Um, I also really love, I think one of the most underrated A24 movies is The Lovers with uh, Tracy, uh, what's his name? Tracy Letts Let's. and uh, Deborah Winger. Again, hard to pick an individual scene in that movie, but I think it's a really good movie. Um, Menashe, again, same thing. Hard to pick an individual scene, but I like it. The Disaster Artist, I think when um, James Franco is doing the scene on the on the roof and he does, has to do it 20 times, it's a great scene. Um, first cow, a lot of great moments in that movie, but I think the discovery that, uh, cookie is stealing the milk is a pretty good, it turns into a chase sequence. It's a pretty good scene. Um, the pie scene in a ghost story, which actually is probably my least favorite scene in the movie, but it's so iconic. Uh, you got to talk about it. And then, um, I haven't seen it yet. And I even asked Todd if this was allowed, but I mean, come on any scene from lamb, right? I mean, that looks freaking awesome. <laughs> Can the, can we call it best trailer for a twenty four movie? What's with a twenty four? You've and seen the trailer, so you could just say. I mean, they produced the trailer, so yeah, a scene from the trailer for Lamb. We should have done the best animal scenes in a twenty four movies. <clears throat> what a the best hybrid scenes. Is that the director done anything else that did Lamb? Like I, I just saw that trailer again yesterday. I did not see that trailer yesterday, but I saw the. Twice I saw the trailer for Jackass Forever <laughs> because that has to play before every stinking movie I see at the movies right now. I've seen the Lamb amazing. trailer at least at least three times. I've seen the Lamb trailer. I've seen I saw it, it today. I saw it. Once. I did the the special effects for that movie Terry loved the Tomorrow War. Uh-huh. And he's been in Lamb. This is <laughs> his directorial debut. That is bizarre. Vladimir Johansson, I'm sure related to Scarlet. <laughs> it's Valdemir. Oh, Valdemir, excuse me. I'm dyslexic. Dyslexia, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. cure for found. Yes. yes. All right. Well, now it's time. Wait. To... No. Honorable oh, wait. Honorable we need mentions. to do honorable mentions. Did you do yours? No, I didn't. Okay. No, you didn't the rest either. of our honorable mentions. Keep going. Yeah. You're right. You're <laughs> well, right. I wanted to jump the gun a little bit. Uh, Spring Breakers, uh, the Evertime scene was, I mean, it probably should have been my number one. I had a Moonlight, the, the scene where they hook up on the beach. I mean, this is a beautiful scene and only a way uh, Barry Jenkins could do it. Uh, in Spectacular Now, I went, I, I would, I was thinking about doing the scene where uh, he gets fired because um, Bob Odenkirk is great in that scene. And, and it's just like a scene where they realize like mutually that like you can't do this anymore being the way that you are. And it's just a really tragic scene. Uh, in mid '90s, I, w- I was thinking about the scene where they're like telling off the security guard put by Jared Carmichael, and but there's a, a fence between them so that he can't actually arrest them. Uh, that's a great scene. In Minari, I, lo- I really like the scene where they where he learns to be a water diviner from uh, Will Patton's character. And, I mean, I, it's a, I love that movie. And in the Lobster, though, I mean, I probably could have this on my list as well. Is the the scene in the jacuzzi with the heartless woman, which she was my number one minor character of the 2010s when we did that that power rankings, and uh, I mean she she's she's amazing in that scene, and uh, I don't know I I just went with other movies that I haven't talked about before, but the lobster and spring breakers should have been on my list. All right, uh, I've got I've only got two um, specific scenes. I looked at a lot of different movies that I wanted to have on there, but. Uh, uh, one of them, Boys State. I love that movie from last year. And I was thinking, basically, any any scene where someone's giving a speech or there's a one-on-one interview or the end. The ending is an amazing scene as well. Uh, and then I also wanted to mention the farewell. Um, probably the most memorable scene is like the dancing at the table. 
and during the party. I thought that was a really cool scene. So, uh, so that's, uh, those are the two uh, honorable mentions I had. All right. Now, now it's time to try and guess Adam's list. And, oh, hey, whoa, there's Adam. He's here to reveal it himself. We're all revealing our our taste in loser sports teams here. Except for Zach. Yeah. Where where are you coming from, Well, Zach just lives in Kansas. So, (laughs) I mean... I'm coming from the game where my daughter got this, the only 90 uh, the only 90 made Funko Pop of the Mariners Moose. There we go. Only 90 made? <laughs> only 90. It's right there. Collector's item. Nice. Yeah. They actually Very get cool. 90 people who actually wanted that. My, <laughs> my daughter said, I don't want this one, Dad. I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> so I traded her. Nice, nice. All right. Well, we need to reveal our predictions, and then you can reveal you can reveal your list since you're okay. here. We can do right. this. Okay, so uh, Zach, you're first in uh, in the reveal. I didn't really. I mean, okay, all right, fine. I'll try to do scenes, but I mostly just wrote down the movies. I went okay. n- number five, most violent year. Number four, the spectacular now. Number three, Ex Machina. Number two, oh, and I'm going to say for Ex Machina that he picked the dancing scene. Number two, eighth grade, and I'm going to say from eighth grade, he picked the scene where um, the girl and her dad are talking at the at the bonfire. And number one, Florida Project, and I think he went with the ending, because that's obviously the right pick. All right, Todd? Uh, number five, I went with uh, the, the decapitation scene in Hereditary. Uh, number four, I went with the ending of Room. Number three, the prom dress shopping scene in ladybird number two swimming in moonlight and number one dancing in ex machina all right all right so i went with number five i went with the crowning scene in midsummer number four the the actual farewell scene in the farewell uh number three the swimming pool scene in eighth grade number two the ending of ex machina and number one the ending of the florida project All right. I don't you guys might have this. Who? Yeah, Adam, yeah, Adam go them. ahead. Go ahead. Reveal. So I, can, I can confirm that Todd is not winning this. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> my honorable mentions, I have Scarlet peeling off her skin from under the skin. Nice. Uh, a spider, which is the ending of Enemy. Uh, Black Philip kills. Anything with Black Philip in it from the witch or the yeah, bitch? Yeah, good pick. Uh, Break or and breaking into that little like theme park golf course thing in good time too. That was pretty pretty fun. Uh, good time. There's some really uncomfortable stuff in that movie. Uh, anyway, number five from eighth grade, we have the swimming pool scene. Wow, so gonna ten points there, for yeah. Terry. Well, no, there we go. two two points. two points. We said we said it's a point. It's a point if you get the. It's an extra point if you get the scene right. Oh, there we go. There's there's two points there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number four from Midsummer. The jumping off the cliff scene. Oh, that was <laughs> in my point. list. That was in there my list. Uh, number three from Mississippi Grind. Nice. Anything gambling related with Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> and uh, Ryan Gosling. There's, it's a really good movie. No one, I don't think anybody's seen it. Yeah, I know. I mean, no, I've seen it. I mean, I. <laughs> I, I didn't There's some really. I didn't, I didn't have. I didn't have any scenes in mind. 
Yeah, there's just something like with Ryan Gosling and Ben Mendelsohn throwing shooting craps. I just think it's 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 really cool. It's the cover of the, of the DVD. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, number two from Ex Machina, Oscar Isaac dancing, yeah. the dancing sequence. Uh, number one, the Floor Project, them ordering food. No, no, it's the uh, the ending run to Disney World. So I number one. one I know two, three, Zach. Four, had, I've got six points. What did uh, Zach say? Because I know well, he I, had three scenes correct. I thought, or or at least uh, something correct. I had the Florida Project, the, and the scene was the correct scene. Ex Machina was the correct scene, and I had eighth grade, but I think I had the wrong scene. So I think Terry does win. I've got yeah. I had four of the five right movies and two of the right scenes. I I just so had I just had one right scene. I didn't didn't have anything else right. None of none of us had Moonlight in our top five. That's just kind of pathetic. Yeah, it's if I would have picked something from Moonlight, yeah, like specific Maybe, scenes in it. But I think if I would have picked something from there, is Mahershala Ali teaching him how to swim. Yeah, I mean, that's, what I, that's what I had as your number two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what have been. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I mean, I didn't even need to give you a handicap. Terry wins. Terry is cut into my double lead now. He's yeah. got eighteen points. I have thirty-four and a half, and Zach has twenty-two. There we go. Nice. And he's been knocked out in the first or the, the 18th round. I don't know. I don't know the points. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the streak okay. is over. Well, Adam is here now. So after power rankings, it is now time for what you've all been waiting for. Maybe. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> That's but what we've been we, waiting for. <laughs> we find yeah, it's what we've been waiting for because we find this fascinating. Uh our reveal of our top 100 of all time continues as we are now going to reveal our number 20 through 11 movies only 10 left after this so zach you've been leading us off this whole time don't fail us now go for it all right uh these are pretty firm movies i don't know uh if you can convince me to drop them anytime soon uh, number 20 is my number one movie of 1994, Speed. Yes. Movie that uh, gives me a lot of sexual excitement. It's definitely after <laughs> these the, uh, the opening, the credits, opening yes. uh, credits, which are not a video game soundtrack. They are a legitimate soundtrack that I have on my phone. I particularly like the the the, uh, the, the Gap one and a Rush Hour as of tracks, one of the great uh, soundtracks of the decade. But uh, yes, I mean, I, I'm obsessed with this movie. I love it. Um, it's a perfect movie, as are the rest of my ne next 19 choices. Number 19 is Casablanca, a movie that was originally in my top 10 for a really long time. Uh, it's gone down a little bit because it's a little bit cheesy, um, and I've probably seen it too much. But, uh, you, you know, really, you can't watch it and not be moved by it. Um, extraordinary performances, a great cast, so many memorable lines, so many memorable characters. My favorite is uh, is the guy who's the bartender and uh, you know the, the the bigger gentleman, and obviously Peter Lorre is great in it too as Ogarte. Everyone loves it, of course. Um, number eighteen is a movie that has gone up quite a bit in, in my list. And I think it's probably the best and most perceptive movie about marriage that isn't called Blue Valentine. It's actually a little more upbeat than Blue Valentine and optimistic. It's from 2005. It is June Bug, uh, a movie mm. that it's a crime that we have not done a deep dive of it, in part because I don't know if Terry's seen it. 
I've um, seen it. Okay, that's good. Well, we should have done a deep dive last year for the 15 year anniversary. Fairly unmemorable. Oh, you're crazy. I, you're <laughs> tell me there's a better movie with uh, you know, tell me there's a more fascinating six lead characters in any movie, and uh, you know, uh, I, I will tell you that Junebug is the best. Uh, any other those. movie you would name that as a flaw? It's also the best movie about Carolina Panther fans. <laughs> Number uh, 17 is uh, Fargo, movie that also used to be my top 10. Uh, move a little bit back, probably because I've seen it too much. Um, I guess I, I, I feel bad including it because so many lists I'm not allowed to include it. But uh, it's a movie that, you know, net, gets, gets better with time, I guess. And it, it's just hard to point out any flaws with it. Um, and, of course, uh, now we can have serious debates about whether it's Francis McDormand's best performance. For me, it always will be. And it will always be the Coen Brothers' best movie as well. Number 16, an American classic that I like to watch on Todd's birthday, a.k.a. the 4th of July every year. Goodfellas, maybe not one of our greatest deep dives, but uh, certainly one of the greatest movies. And I think we've just seen it and talked about it so much that, uh, again, you know, uh, it's a movie that uh, is, get, gets better with time um, and, uh, you know, maybe has the greatest soundtrack of any movie uh, ever made. Hold that this, case up a little these, higher. Yeah, hold that. There we go. That, are these all wow. one-word titles? Uh, I guess so far. I had not noticed that. It's a great observation. <laughs> that They're is a really short bizarre... titles, just like short movies that Zach likes, other than that movie. And that's a really bizarre case. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that case before. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, a 20, it's an anniversary edition. I don't it know looks what more like a Denzel Washington movie or something with that. It that does thing. a little bit. Yes, I can totally see it being like, you know, out, out of, of time. time. Yeah. yeah, there exactly. Or Finding Forrester <laughs> or uh, the train movie. Um, okay, number 15 is a movie I haven't watched in a really long time. I've started watching it. It's a little bit challenging because like Lagan, it's a super long movie. It's six hours long. It is the best of youth. Um, a movie that uh, was one of the great cinema movie going experiences of my life. When I saw it back in 2005, I saw it on a Monday and a Thursday at the Hollywood theater in uh, East Portland. And um, it's a movie that covers a span of about 40, 45 years in the lives of, no, really more like 40 years in the lives of two brothers uh, in modern uh, Italy. Um, I'd be in, I, I want to rewatch it again. It's a movie I'm a little afraid because I don't know if it still holds up perfectly. It might be corny at times. I know the ending. Um, I watched some with somebody once and they said the, the ending was a little bit contrived in the sense of sort of like who ends up with who a little bit. I kind of get that, but, um, you watch that ending and it's just, um, amazing and beautiful and, uh, a totally, um, memorable experience. And I think everybody at some point should devote a day in their life to watching it. Number 14 is a movie that Terry thought was overrated. Well, screw him. It is Two Days, One Night, uh, a deeply emotional experience for me when I saw it at a movie theater. I think in some ways the politics of this movie are basically my politics. I feel a real strong kinship to the spirit of this movie. Um, it's incredibly moving. It's incredibly simple and elegant. And uh, it's a movie that I think is ever so relevant and perceptive um, in modern times in this era of late capitalism. And Marion Cotillard is magnificent in this movie, way better than she was as an opera singer in Annette. So uh, check it out. Number 13, Kill Bill Volume 2. I was debating whether to put this movie a little bit higher on my list because kind of like The Best of Youth, it was a truly great movie-going experience seeing in the theater. I saw it in the theater three times. Um, and it still doesn't grow boring at all. It's fantastic. And uh, it has the best action sequences maybe of any movie ever made. 
Number 12 is maybe the shocker on my list to see it this high, but I have to say it's a movie that has profoundly, um, maybe not changed my life, but it's helped me through the pandemic. Maybe that should be our next Mount Rushmore is movies that help us through the pandemic. And that is In the Family, Patrick Wang. Uh, I know Todd may be rolling his eyes a little bit that I'm putting this movie this high, but uh, it is, it, Todd's seen it and, and he knows that it is a powerful, ambitious, audacious movie that is three hours long has times where the camera just kind of rolls and the characters sort of go into soliloquies. Uh, and it's powerful and beautiful. And it's a movie about an Asian man in the South who's gay and is fighting for custody of his son. And, and uh, it's um, haunting and magnificent and unforgettable. And number 11, is it a movie? I don't know, but it's the Decalogue. I'm calling it a movie because it was made by, you know, one director and it was released at one time, I think. I don't know. I guess it's maybe TV. Uh, if I had to say in favorite episode, it would be at this point, episode six. For most of my life, it's been episode one. But uh, I love it. And like the best of youth, at some point, everybody should devote a day of their life to watching it all 10 hours. That would be quite a bit of, of a day. So, All right. Well, nice. uh, recap us 20 to 11. All right, uh, number 20 is Speed, number 19 is Casablanca, number 18 is Junebug, number 17 is Fargo, number 16 is Goodfellas, and that's my string of one-word titles. 15 is The Best of Youth, two, 14 is Two Days, One Night, 13 is Kill Bill Volume 2, 12 is In the Family, and number 11 is The Decalogue. So I, I got there's yeah. three movies on there I haven't seen, Best of Youth, In the Family, and The Decalogue, and I'm surprised you never made me sit down and watch The Best of Youth or any of The Decalogue with you while we were in college. I know, you, dude. You sent like you sent the decalogue through Terry to get to me so that I could watch it. Or no, in Best yeah. of Youth, yeah, the Best, Best of Youth, yeah, 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 yeah. And and I never and I never saw it. <laughs> and yeah, Terry, Terry never had to watch it. it. It was a great movie. I mean, I I don't I don't argue with it being on your list. Like I've only seen it once, but I mean that, that is something special. Yeah, I mean the the, be, the Best of Youth and the decalogue kind of beg the question of like. You know, these are they're movies that are outside my top 10, but really they probably are top 10 movies for me. It's just that they're sort of ungainly movie watching experiences. You can't really just sit down and watch all 10 hours of them in one sitting. So it's sort of hard. It's kind of like Showa in that respect, too, which I don't have in my top 100. But I don't know how you really consume it in any way you consume it. It's worth consuming. But uh, they had to be on the list somewhere. Well, in both of them, you have to question whether they're actually movies or not. Because didn't Best of Youth start as an Italian miniseries on TV? It, it did originally air on TV. That is very true. Yeah. So, Adam, do you have anything? Yes, I, I bought the Decalogue on the Criterion sale. So eventually nice. I will devote a day with that. Uh, I wouldn't I try also... watching it in a day. I would watch it over okay, 10 I'll watch. days. But you know what I'm saying. day. Good, good call. Uh, two days, one night. I'm kind of disappointed. I had predicted that to be in a top 10 movie. I was really close, though. Really close. That was a good guess. So, Well, you know, Terry's uh, lukewarm review of it disturbed me. And I did go back <laughs> and rewatch it. And uh, no, it's not a top 10 movie of all time. But I did wonder for a second whether he maybe had a point. And uh, of course, he did not. But uh, yeah. <laughs> upon rewatching it, it's still powerful and moving. Hey, I'm just I'm glad you went with speed though. I should have kept Air Force One on. That's my guilty nineties action movie. Speed is not a guilty pleasure. It's a legit it's I mean, an Oscar winning it's movie. It's a legit movie. Tarantino yes, get, called okay, it one of the best movies during his tenure. Whatever. It's it's legit. The sequel would be indulgent movie. if I put that okay. on my top one. Or Twister. Or Twister, yeah. Okay, okay. Good call. Good call. All right. Adam, twenty to eleven. Go for it. 
All right. So some of these I do have the films for, but I can't went to a Mariners game and I didn't bring out the movie. So uh, number 20 is uh, my guilty, uh, not guilty pleasure. It's a great movie. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, uh, uh, Harrison Ford here. This is basically a big childhood film along with Star Wars, Indiana Jones and Back to the Future, all kind of things that embody my childhood. So I got to put Raiders there and watching the 4K remaster of it recently. It's uh, makes it, I had to put it in my top 20. Uh, number 19, Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. It, it's great characters, great story. Uh, I didn't really understand it the first time I watched it, but then going back, realized that everything's not in uh, timeline order. It kind of makes it makes it even cooler. So I had to put that there. Uh, number 18 is Steven Spielberg showing up again uh, for the last time on my list, and that is Schindler's List. Uh, this is I've only seen this film one time, and it was a haunting uh, film. I watched it uh, last year, I believe, or, not, or the year before. But anyway, it's a really haunting film that uh, – uh, is really a masterpiece there. So um, number uh, 17 is uh, Apollo 13. Uh, this film actually, uh, I really appreciated. I got sick one time in high school and all I did was watch special features of movies and watch the films right after them. And Apollo 13 was one of them. And I really became a movie fan watching Apollo 13 and one other film, which I'll speak about later. Uh, number uh, 16 is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, the only superhero film I have on my list. Now, this was a top 10 film of all time. It's kind of slowed off as I've watched more films, but Heath Ledger, I, I miss this guy every day because of his performances that he's done. And the Dark Knight is his masterpiece here. So uh, 15, I have Fargo. Uh, we can't talk about this movie too much, but we've we mentioned it a couple of times, and it's a great uh, Coen Brothers movie. At 14, Tarantino shows up once again and has Reservoir Dogs. I've learned so much about tipping. I think this also just a really cool character study here, too. I love all the different characters. I caught up in the middle with you. Anyway, uh, 13, I have Sideways. You know, we just talked about this film, and I have really didn't – I watched Sideways for the first time because of this website, and I really just kind of fell, uh, fell in love with this movie. Uh, and I really enjoy the characters. Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church are just – knock it out of the park. So this is a definitely a great movie for me. Uh, number 12, 1950s, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, one of my favorite movie openings of all time. I really, and the, one of the endings too, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Duvall. Uh, just so many great things about a, a, a silent film star trying to transition to talkies and kind of that kind of noirish type of feel too. I just really like it a lot. At number 11, another film that was in my top 10, it's just now outside, it's The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, just a, if, you, if you haven't seen it, you probably watched Bits and Pieces on Cable. Uh, just another great film about uh, you know a falsely accused man and how he escapes through a movie poster. It's really cool. I, I, I really like it. So, yeah, Shawshank. All right. Yeah, yeah. Recap is 20 to 11. Uh, 20, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 19, Pulp Fiction. 18, Schindler's List. 17, Apollo 13. 16, The Dark Knight. 15, Fargo. 14, Reservoir Dogs, 13, Sideways, 12, Sunset Boulevard, and number 11, Shawshank Redemption. It's really interesting, I think, that you have Reservoir Dogs over Pulp Fiction. That is I, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Yeah, that was a it's tough one. I just... agree. <laughs> <laughs> they gave a thumbs down. Her, and her and I, I also have to say, does anybody, did anybody have that... Uh, I would have four superhero movies and Adam would have one in the top 100. What was the bet that it was? I think it was one and a half superhero movies on Adam's list, I think is what. Yeah, it's, it was something, two and something and a half? like that. I don't know. You're the one that had all the prop bets. <laughs> You're going to have to look this stuff up. Go back to the oh, fact checker. Yeah, so I feel like your comment is right on, Adam. This is like. All these movies have aired on TNT at some point, with the exception of uh, Sunset Boulevard. 
I think you could turn mm-hmm. on cable anytime and any of these movies would be on at some moment. Yeah, that is that is very true, probably. Yeah, but they're very IMDb centric. This is a very IMDb top twenty-five part of Adam's list here. Like these are all like like universally beloved movies, basically. Yes, nothing controversial. The most controversial choice is probably yeah, Reservoir Dogs above Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I think the reason why I, I liked Reservoir Dogs the very first time I watched it, Pulp Fiction, like I said, it was something I had to get accustomed to the storytelling. I really do appreciate it, and probably Pulp Fiction is a better film, but I think Reservoir Dogs is just kind of, I, I can pick out different scenes. Like the tipping scene is like just one of my favorite openings, too. And then the caught him with Michael Madsen taking the guy's ear off. It, I I just like that film. It just, it's really hard. It's, it's, it's so close, really. Which one I like more, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's why how I put it in this this time. All right, it is my turn now. Twenty to eleven. So here we go. I am going to start with where Adam left off. Nineteen ninety four Shawshank Redemption. There we go. Just nice a brilliant DVD. movie. <laughs> yeah. You like that? You like that old school old school DVD there? Yeah, there you um, go. I mean, it is. As, I mean, it's just a, a pure, such a pure story, and uh, it, the title really says so much about it. it. It has everything you want in a great '90s movie, and '90s movies are always have always kind of been my favorite movies. So that's my number twenty, number nineteen. Up a lot, sideways. Mm. Number nineteen. I don't there think it was in my top hundred before. Uh, it is now. And it, it deserves to be there because it it's a brilliant movie. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I I didn't want to admit it for a while. And then the more we talk about it and the more we, you know, ridiculously analyze it, the more I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is this is this is brilliance right here. Number 18 is, is about as Terry of a movie as you can possibly get the uh I think let's see Falling here. Neverland. The highest sports movie on my list. A League of Their Own. <laughs> I mean, yes. This the, this movie. I just love this movie and like everything about it. It is about as as quotable as you could possibly have in a movie. And it it's brilliant brilliant performances all throughout. It it understands the game. It it's just awesome. It, everything about them? it is awesome. Doesn't that hurt them? <laughs> John Lovitz, like my favorite, like 10 minute performance of all time. Number 17 is one of the more recent movies on my list. It is Parasite. Um, you, you could say recency bias. You could say whatever you want. Uh, that movie just blows your mind. And so much of it is just. It's just brilliant how it it portrays this dichotomy and. And how it all ends, and and the 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 last shot is, it it's just a perfect movie in so many ways. Uh, number sixteen, talk about blowing your mind and just complete mind trips from twenty ten, Black Swan. Mm. Uh, this movie again, like just total like you don't know what's real, what's not real, and. Uh, and Natalie Portman gives just an absolutely brilliant performance. One of the best performances of the last decade. 
so that's uh, number 16. Number 15, Todd will be happy to see, is from 1978, The Deer Hunter. Um, mm-hmm. Here we go. I mean, it, it's one of those movies that it's brilliant. I have it up there. I don't know if I necessarily want to watch it again anytime soon because it is just a devastating movie. And um, and it does a perfect job of drawing you into the story and then just making your heart break for all the characters as you see what they're going through. Number 14, I'll hold to is one of the greatest like filmmaking achievements of all time. Uh, it is Boyhood from 2014. Uh, the ability that Richard Linkletter had to take this uh, this idea of let's just get together for a couple weeks uh for 12 consecutive years and then somehow weave it together into a coherent story that's brilliant and poignant and says so much about uh, what it means to grow up. It's, it's amazing. And, and to have this kid who really gives a brilliant performance over a 12 year period, just awesome movie. Awesome movie. Uh, Number 13 is the one movie in this group that I don't own. However, it is the highest documentary on my list. And I've seen it thanks to Zach. It is from 2008, Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. This movie, I, the best documentaries are ones that start off as one thing and then as they're going along, morph into something else. And nothing takes you quite on that roller coaster like Dear Zachary does. And the way it's able to do it with a narrator that is so into the story and so involved in the story. It is, it is brilliant, it is riveting, it is heartbreaking, it is just absolutely stunning. Uh, number 12, um, you can't get a, as classic as, this is about as classic using, as you can get from 1939, Gone with the Wind. I've always been a fan of Gone with the Wind, and it is, it is an insanely long movie, but it is ridiculously entertaining all throughout. Uh, and just the the feat of the the cinematography of a movie like this in 1939, Vivian Lee gives one of the greatest performances of all time. Rhett Butler is playing or is played by Clark Gable. I've said the wrong name because <laughs> Rhett Butler <laughs> is the character Clark Gable was born to play. Um, and uh, it, it's it's just brilliant all throughout. And then the ending, I mean, kind of like Casablanca, your ending has like. Some like three or four of the most quotable lines of all time. So that's number 12. And number 11 is the other side of our website, Almost Famous, um, which we've talked about ad nauseum. I mean, it's brilliant. What else can you say? I dig music. So um, I love this kitchen. <laughs> real Topeka people, man. All right. So let me recap you. Number 20, Shawshank Redemption. Number 19, Sideways. Number 18, A League of Their Own. Number 17, Parasite. Number 16, Black Swan. Number 15, The Deer Hunter. Number 14, Boyhood. Number 13, Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. Number 12, Gone with the Wind. And number 11, Almost Famous. Nice. Respect! No, uh, really Respect. good list there, Terry. I've only ha- I haven't seen Gone with the Wind yet, but that's uh, really really solid movies there. I think, did, I think Dear Zachary might have just locked it top 25 spot i'm just going in my head so who knows how that's going to turn out but pretty awesome that's a great great pick there so yeah i mean this this uh string of 10 movies is kind of all over the place you got like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> movies, best yeah picture winners 
documentaries. I don't know what to think of this list, but uh, <laughs> they're all pretty good movies. I think Black Swan is very high. Um, I know you're a fan of it. Yeah, that's way too. Yeah, high. this is this the point where we we're all just sort of being honest. Like T Terry's yeah. like, I don't give a shit what you guys think anymore. Like. <laughs> I'm putting these movies on this list, and that's really yeah. That that's that's a very good way of saying it. This is if I'm going to talk about what is my favorite, this is where I'm going. Do you just love a league of their own just for the John Lovett scenes? That's all no. I ever hear you talk about is John Lovett. No, he loves so. Things. Okay, so I I, I got to say, um, I, I play on a solo pitch softball team, and one of our best players was on vacation a couple weeks ago. And he's our leadoff hitter. He's our center fielder and, and everything. And so we had someone else in, in at the leadoff spot. And that guy went like seven for eight that day. And uh, every time he'd get a hit, I would turn to someone else in the dugout and I'd go, Alice is looking pretty good. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to go all the way, May. No, no, no. All the no, way, no. May. It's, it's, it's like, Who said you could play? <laughs> I mean, Alice has been playing for us the last few games. She's looking pretty good. Yeah. Anybody say that you look like a penis with a hat on? <laughs> Can't believe no one's ever said that to you before. I, 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 just, I just thought, uh, yeah, Tom Hanks is great. I mean, did, at this point, no one's putting it higher than 17. Was this on either of your, your guys' lists, Todd or Adam? 18. It was on... It was my my previous top 100. It was League of the Rose out of my list. No, so our, our respect to you, Terry. That's <laughs> bold pick. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I think yes. I think I'm I I'm officially the only one that it has has it on the list as the that one that is a keeper of yeah. all of your lists so far. So yes, yeah. And gone with the win too. I don't think anyone else has that, right? I don't think so. No, unless it's in our top 10, which I highly doubt. I am the only one with Gone with the Wind. There we go. Yeah. All right, Dodd, count us down. All right, for this 10, like, okay, similar to Zach, where I feel like if you looked at that list of Zach's 10, that you would get a really good glimpse of, like, what kind of movies he likes, and this is exactly the way I feel about this group of 10. My number 20 is a movie I guarantee no one has on their top 100, like, ever, Probably, definitely not their top 20. It's Little Children, which is a movie that I adore. I saw it like 30 minutes before a Sonics game that I ran down the street to go watch the Sonics afterwards. But this movie has gotten to me. I've watched it a lot. I, I love In the Bedroom. This movie is way more ambitious, way more shit is going on. And it, it uh, it's maybe not as perfect, but like Little Children, is it's something else. I, I love this movie. And number 19, I have Uncut Gems. Definitely the newest movie on my list. Uh, I mean, we we talked about it a lot. We did a deep dive of it, but because it came out six months before, I mean, six all, months, all, six month anniversary. We, we all, I mean, we all love this movie. Apparently, it was all like it was really high on all of our lists, so that's that's awesome. But I mean, it's Adam Sandler giving one of the greatest performances of all time. It's, I mean, it uh, it's a movie about sports gambling. It's a really disturbing crime drama. It's, uh, I mean, it's everything I love in movies. Number 18, I unfortunately don't own. I thought I did, but I, I don't. It's uh, Some Like It Hot, the uh, Billy Wilder mm. movie, which is AFI's number one comedy. And uh, I mean, it's a movie I've always loved. And it's it, it's kind of a weird. I've never been the biggest Billy Wilder fan necessarily, but this has always been my favorite of his movies. And it, it's 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 a funny movie. I mean, yeah, it's a cross-dressing, whatever. But like it, it's like, like Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis are at the top of their games in this. I mean, it is really a very genuinely one of the funniest movies of all time. 
and uh, and it's a classic, and it lo and it looks beautiful in the black and white. Uh, number seventeen, I have Mulholland Drive, which is a movie that I feel like if you've seen it once, it will never get out of your head because it will constantly be swirling, and you and you will wonder whether you actually understand it or not. There's a thing in the DVD like saying like, "Can you unlock the mystery of what this movie actually means or whatever?" And it gives you clues. They don't really mean anything. The cl the clues like are kind of pointless, but. Uh, it, it is just this web of like sexy mystery in the way that only David Lynch can do. And I adore David Lynch movies. And this is his absolute masterpiece. Number 16, I have The Wrestler, which is a movie I did a deep dive with Adam. And um, it's um, Mickey Rourke making his monster comeback role. And I mean, it, it's a movie that, I mean, it's a, a similar, it gets inside you, like these characters, you care about them so much and just like watching Randy the Ram break down and, and at the same time be, still be like Randy the Ram. It's something special. I mean, Mickey Rourke will never do better again. Number 15 is my top sports movie of all time, The Hustler, starring Paul Newman. And it, it's got the, the perfect sports movie arc it, it like has a long build up to the eventual match and the match is just like long grueling thing and it pr looks like probably one of the most physically grueling sports sporting events i've ever seen and then they're playing pool i mean it's just an amazing cast i mean per yeah perfect acting and it, it's a i mean it's a it's a longer movie it's a, it's a great longer movie number 14 i have newsflash my new number one scorsese movie it is the wolf of wall street oh rich I mean, I watched this twice in two days when it first came out. I watched it the Friday came out and the Saturday came out. This is a this is a three hour movie, and I knew that it eventually would get here. I didn't think it would be this fast because it only came out eight years ago. But man, th this movie I've seen probably a dozen times now. That's a lot of time to uh, <laughs> to, to commit to a movie this long, and it, but it doesn't feel long ever. Like every everything just blows by. It is the shortest three hour movie of all time, and it I don't know. I mean. I can't get enough of, of any of these characters. I mean, I, I think Jonah Hill is at his absolute apex in this movie. And I, 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 it's Scorsese taking everything that he's done in the past and putting it into one, just like jam-packed three-hour, like just craziness. And I, I, I adore every part of The Wolf of Wall Street. Number 13, I have Far From Heaven. Zach mentioned it last week. It is, I mean, it's just movies that they're absolute. I mean, it, there's no more perfect movie than Far From Heaven. It is... It is fully polished, devastating. Todd Haynes is a guy who I love a lot of his stuff, like Mildred Pierce, Carol, Far From Heaven. That's when he's at his absolute best, and and you'll never find a better movie than Far From Heaven. But a crappy DVD case. Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> Number 12, I have Dazed and Confused, which I've never had this near this high before, but I just eventually realized that the characters in this movie are my friends. Like, I mean, I feel like if I turn this movie on, I will be hanging out with the people that I love. And because I, I, every single character in this movie, I, I went to school with these people. I was these people. And I mean, and somehow Linklater is able to take you into another era and make it completely relevant. And it's, I, I mean, Days of Confused. And also one of the best soundtracks of the 90s, maybe the best one. And number 11 is an absolute, just devastating movie. It is Monster. Thank goodness. Which it's, I mean, Charlie Saren and Christina and Christina Ricci, two of the best performances that I've ever seen. And it, a great true story will like devastate you with 
the actual story and then the the like pre-credits postscript thing that's telling you what's going on we'll do it again and this one has the best of all time because that 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 haunted me almost more than the movie did and it just like shot that up in my in my mind ever since i first saw it and i've seen this you know quite a bit probably more than i should but monster my number 11 nice all right recap is 20 to 11 Number 20, Little Children. Number 19, Uncut Gems. 18, Some Like It Hot. 17, Mulholland Drive. 16, The Wrestler. 15, The Hustler. 14, The Wolf of Wall Street. 13, Far From Heaven. 12, Days to Confused. And number 11 is Monster. Oh my goodness. Good stuff. So I think all of us at this point own Uncut Gems. Are we all going out and buying the Criterion when it comes out? Already pre-ordered. <laughs> I mean, yes. I guess I could. I... <laughs> Sammy and I are going as Howard and Julia for Halloween, actually, to commemorate the uh, release of the Criterion Blu-ray. You're going to grow your goatee back. <laughs> yeah, and she's going to get a tattoo on her ass. Of my name. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get the Furby, though. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. Well, judging by trying to quantify on the basis of how often Todd and I have talked about the movies on his list, I feel like Uncut Gems should be higher, but Monster and Far From Heaven and Days and Confused are at an appropriate place. And oh, the other real thought I had was, Jesus, Todd, get uh, some Blu-rays, man. Those DVDs are <laughs> relics. I know. Like, I had two like of them. George were on W. Blu-ray. Bush administration. That, like, that was going to be I've my never next seen question. Days and confused. What? What was that? I've never even seen that DVD before. <laughs> you don't own the Criterion. T- I mean, that's that's sad, man. Yeah. I know. My, my next. It's question. not as bad as the Shawshank Redemption DVD that Terry has, but still. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's that. But my next question was going to be, Todd, are you going to get the 4K Criterion when it comes out? It's like a 4K like Blu-ray combo of Mulholland Drive. Yeah, that's one of the first ones, yeah. Are I mean, are they actually going to have special features cuz the DVD I have is zero. Like I think Lynch never well, does that. Well, it's Criterion, here. so there's going to be Lynch something. has never had any special features on any of his movies, I don't think. I mean, I I didn't know that that was coming out, so I Yeah, I it's it's on it. the list of of uh, the first 4K uh Criterion's yeah. Mulholland Drive. The, well, the big one is Citizen Kane, but their, their first 4K ultra high definition. You said this a couple podcasts ago, Terry. They release 4K movies pretty regularly, 4K like restoration prints, but oh, okay. like the 4K ultra HD is what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The four, the 4K like disc or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love how how high Monster is. I probably should have put it higher. It's a great movie. Uh, Mall Holland Drive and Some Like It Hot and Far From Heaven are uh, oversights. Something I haven't watched them yet. Speaking of, because I had Billy Wilder on my top 100 already, so I definitely need to watch that one. Uh, but yeah, I'm really big fan of a lot of these films on this list. So this is a perfect uh, top next level of 10. So good job, man. And I'm not going to say anything about Little Children because we should definitely deep dive that later this year. It's an interesting place for it. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> Oh, I know. I mean, I was even surprised when I when I put it that high. But I mean, it's the first time that I've separated in the bedroom and little children on any of my lists, and I just realized that I mean, I love it more. All right. Well, there we go. Sure. There's twenty to eleven. We only have ten left to go, and then uh, after we reveal those, we'll also get to hear what our top twenty-five as a website 
the almost sideways top 25 of all time are. So we'll be getting to that after that. So there we are, Adam. Thank you. I'll see you guys later. Have a good one. See you, Adam. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into trivia. Are you ready? Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Boyd is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. So, Zach won, right? Zach won. Yeah. He's the one that assigned me something. And so Todd and I had to watch some stuff. I will go first. Um, so I had to watch from 1987 Come and See, uh, which was in his... 30s in his 30s on his top 100 of all time no it was number uh it was number 25 oh it was number 25 it was in yeah it was in your 20s it was last week it came out it was in your last week's list and uh and yeah so he assigned it to me i had to go get the uh the criterion edition from the library uh this this is, movie is something for sure uh it is directed by elam klimov it is a story of a boy uh and his experiences in um, Belarus during World War II, and how he he starts it as an innocent, an innocent kid, and uh, becomes a part of war. Uh, this is a movie that I, I I just watched this today, and it's a movie that I, I'm gonna I'll say right now I'm giving it three and a half stars out of respect because it is a beautiful movie. It is very well done. And uh, the, the child performances in this by, by um, the two, the two uh, leads, uh, the, the boy and the girl are outstanding. Um, it was a little hard to get into at times. Um, I don't think I ever want to see it again because some of it is just hard to watch. Uh, like more than, many movies I've seen, it's kind of hard to watch. I'm realizing a trend on Zach's favorite movies of all time are depressing movies involving kids' loss of innocence. And um, and this is definitely like the epitome of what that is. And, uh, and I know there's more to come on his list of that theme. But, uh, but yeah, three and a half stars for the filmmaking, for the performances. This one, I will say, almost bordered on being too depressing to even be watchable at times. So um, it, it was just hard. It was just hard to get into because I, if I got into it, I, just, I didn't want to get into it, honestly. So um, so that's that's my opinion on Come and See. Yeah, it's it maybe more than any movie I've ever seen. It like left me speechless and uh i didn't i it was thoroughly depressing i didn't really want to like go anywhere or do anything for like days after watching it you know 45 minutes of this movie is like a sequence involving villagers rounded up and thrown into a barn and burned alive it's a substantial chunk of the movie and it's just horrific to watch and uh it really, I guess the question, the existential question of the movie is, you know, this kid, Florian, I mean, is it 
why why even try to survive this why you know have to live with all these uh images and these experiences that he's gone through and, and survive it it's just uh it's it's horrible and then there's this the sequence at the end of the movie which is probably the most famous sequence of the movie that does some almost like newspaper montage type things and uh it's it, it's just a, a a tremendous ode to the sacrifice and the horrible loss of life throughout the holocaust it the kid ages like 50 years over the course of the movie. It's an amazing yeah. performance. It's amazing. It's an amazing feat of direction. I mean, even some of the staging of the action sequences and the military equipment and the bombs that go off and the artillery is remarkable. Uh, I don't, you know, Klimov is a director. I haven't really seen any of his other works, but like this is on par with, I think, a lot of, you know, like the, the best war movies ever made. So it's it's a great movie, but yeah, it's not it's not really fun times for anybody, but it's a necessary experience to watch. I'd agree on that. I agree on that. All right, Todd, what did you have to watch? I watched the 2005 Bobman Gobadi movie, Turtles Can Fly, which is was on <laughs> Zach's top 100. The red Turtles and, Can Fly. Yes, the Red Turtles. There aren't any Red Turtles, uh, but... <laughs> Um, and it was on his depressing movies list. I can see both of them, actually. This movie takes place in Iraq right before the American invasion. And it follows three child characters. There's Satellite, who installs antennas into his satellite so people can watch the news. And he also knows some English. So he's like sort of the de facto leader of the village. And then there is a Green, who is a young woman who Satellite kind of falls for. And her brother, Hengov, uh, who... Um, and both of them like have this other like young person around and um that uh you know more about as it comes along and Henkov is like he's, he's he's got no arms but he's got this really big heart so you really feel for that character the acting is is kind of the problem with the movie i don't think i think the actors are all kind of lousy and whiny but that doesn't really matter all that much because i mean it's more about the experience and um it took a while to adjust myself to actually watching this movie because, like, I've never seen a movie made like an Iraqi movie. The movie is like shot and scored in a really unique way. It was kind of throwing me from the beginning. It was just kind of jarring, but um, it's more of like a day in the life kind of movie. Um, uh, and I mean, it it works. I mean, th there's some paranoia and stuff. There's a little bit of Kovada Saidi in there. But the, I mean, there's not really an overarching plot. I feel like there, but you, you really understand and feel empathy for these characters. Like Terry was saying, I mean, it's about these kids and like how how they have to uh, adjust to being such you know more grown than they actually are. There's not like a single bit of sentiment or levity in the movie. It, it's it's a Zach movie, and it's the, in the most depressing of, of ways, and uh, it's harrowing to sit through. But it's lifelike, and but it's bleak as hell. But um. I think there was probably a record number of failed suicide attempts by one character in this movie too. Um, Satellite is my favorite character. He's a stud. He's like he does what like to mines what like Jeremy Renner does to bombs in the Hurt Locker. Like a, it, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, I'm giving it three and a half stars, even though it, it takes about thirty minutes to get into it, like all Zach movies really do. It is still really great. Yeah, I feel like the landmines in this movie are almost like Russian roulette is to Deer Hunter. Like there's a little bit of parallels there i also feel like this movie has a little bit of a kinship to chop shop i feel like the satellite character is I was very similar chop shop too, yeah. to the character in chop shop just how like you know at such a young age and such like <laughs> impoverished conditions you have to like mature and kind of be a um, a hustler in a way and make some deals 
And uh, yeah, this movie, I mean, it, it is a gradual movie. It's a, it's slower. It's not like, you know, it's a war movie, but not like come and see. It's not like there's necessarily big set action pieces or anything like that. There's, inter there's interesting uh, American characters in the movie, the interactions with the Kurdish kids. Um, it's thoroughly depressing, but it also, I think, shows you how, like, I don't know, kids have to survive in these conditions. And uh, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a movie that people around the world should see. Obviously, important subject matter that's depressing, but exposes uh, the the hardships of war in ways that maybe we haven't seen. So I, I'm glad I'm glad you liked it, even if you thought the acting wasn't that good. I'm pretty sure those kids were non-professionals in their defense. Yeah. All right. So there's what we had to watch. Zach, you have trivia today. What are we doing? All right. So uh, we're going to uh, do a game that I played a little while ago with you guys. The game is called, was it an Oscar winner? Was it nominated or was it not nominated? And the theme of this uh, trivia is movies that were released in the month of September. So again, I'll say the name of the movie. You can, you can write it on a piece of paper if you want. We we'll want to make it more visual or you can just kind of tell me whether it was an Oscar winner, an Oscar nominee, or none of the above. Are you ready? So are we writing it down or are we not? No. I'm good with not. Okay. Yeah, we'll keep it we'll keep it uh simple. All right, we're gonna start in September 1995 with Batman Forever. A nominee, a winner, or neither? Nominee. Nominee. Nominee is correct. Both of you get a point for that. Um, I should know what category it's in, but I don't song. Know. I'm pretty song, sure. maybe. Okay. It, it had some it had some visuals. I I, I want to say like maybe art direction. Yeah, I don't think it was actually a song. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a technical award. Um, and uh, actually, it was, it was nominated for three Oscars. I'm looking it up right now. And uh, none of them were songs. So I'm going to give Terry an extra half point for that. I think it was the Golden Globe. Was Art Direction one of them? Uh, art Direction uh, was not one of them. It's sound effects, sound, and cinematography. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say cinematography. He doesn't deserve that half point. <laughs> uh, okay, next one is 1985. The film is... Todd, entry on Todd's Top 100, The Breakfast Club. Todd may know the answer to this. I'm going to say not nominated. It was not nominated for anything. That is correct. It, it was not a nominee. Um, okay, we move to 1988. Beetlejuice. A winner, a nominee, or neither? I'll say winner. I'm going to say neither. It was a winner. Terry gets the point, and it was for makeup. <laughs> Not bad. I'm going to give you another half point for that. Terry oh, leads yeah, fair. Com commanding <laughs> 4-2 lead. Because he guessed one wrong, he guessed one right, and he gets a half point for both of them. Good job. All right, we're moving to... <laughs> No, no one's sore about this. Uh, we're moving to 1981. It's not like you haven't won enough trivia. Um, Mommy Dearest. Now, it, again, this was a big Golden Raspberry Award winner, but was it an Oscar nominee or Oscar winner? I'll say nominated. Neither. Todd gets the point there. It was not an Oscar nominee. Uh, Oscar nominee, I think. Again, That's very possible. Uh, we're moving to 2005. Corpse Bride. Winner, nominee, or neither? Nominee. Nominee. Nominee is correct. Nominated for Best Animated Film. I could have um, told you that, but I got a half point. Uh, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Going well, yeah, that's the only thing I could have been nominated for. So. Or just like John Williams or something. Yeah, it was, it was going to be 
animated. All right. Although I think it was Danny Elfman. Terry still has a one-point lead. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's getting closer. From 1978, controversial, Louis Mal's Pretty Baby. A winner, a nominee, or none of the above? None. Winner. Uh, neither of you get a point. It was a nominee. <sighs> I want to say for art direction, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Uh, 1971. Torah, Torah, Torah. Classic war movie. Winner. Yeah, I think I won best uh, visual effects because it was like the first non-best picture winner to do that since that against the best picture winner until like Ex Machina. All right. So both of you get a point for that. And I will give Todd an extra half point for that because he was correct that it, it did win best visual effects that year. So the score is now Terry six, Todd five and a half as we head to our final three. Tennessee's Partner from 1955, a movie that everybody knows, right? It has um, 600 votes on IMDb, and it's with Ronald Reagan. Neither. Nominee. Uh, Terry's right. It was neither. <laughs> Had to throw in some random shit there. Another random film from 1967, something called The Happiest Millionaire. I think it's a Disney movie. Nominee. Neither. Terry gets a point. It was a nominee. Okay. All comes down to this. Stand By Me from 1986. A classic. Nominee. Nominee. Nominee is correct. Yeah, yeah way to clinch your win there, Terry. Like, well, I, <laughs> I knew that was the answer, though. <laughs> what was the category it was nominated for? Best Adapted Screenplay. Nice. So even if I gave Todd an extra point, half point for that, Terry is still the winner, making Terry the a rare dual winner today. When's the last time that's happened for you, Terry? It's been a while. It really has. <laughs> but I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Let's wrap this up. Quote of the day. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. I will go first. Uh, so uh, my quote comes from the other half of the double feature I had at the at the movies last night when I went and saw Candyman. Before Candyman, I saw Free Guy. And so my quote is from Free Guy, which is about this this like video game character who who starts interacting with other characters in it. Anyways. There's a character that's dropped into the middle of the video game that's only like half developed at one point. And, uh, and, and this is a quote from him. His name is Dude. And he says this. There are three things I love in life. Kicking ass. TBD. Insert third thing here. So. <laughs> nice. It's a fun movie. Think like cross between Ready Player One and Truman Show. That's Free Guy. Okay. So like Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah, with a yeah, like kind of like Wreck-It Ralph too. All right. Uh let's go to Zach next. All right, my quote of the day comes from the 1955 film Tennessee's Partner, which was not nominated for any Oscars. Um the line is from a character named Duchess who says, "You're rotten Tennessee, dirty, and what's more, you like it that way." And um, I was looking to see if this was a movie that we could potentially come to the stable. But unfortunately, not only is it not streaming, but the only DVD that's available is for $210. <laughs> so 
impressive. That's amazing. All right, Todd. Uh, I don't know. Well, I feel like I got screwed on how the points were counting that. So I'm going to quote the end of, of the one with Jet Li, which is, I am you, Law. I'm nobody's bitch. You are mine. I don't need to know you. You only need to know me. I will be the one. That's how I feel about trivia every Did time. Did you quote that from memory? Of course. I've seen that movie probably a hundred times. I, I could have nice. quoted the same. Even if I movie. didn't give you the half points, Terry still would have won by two points. So it, it didn't matter. Yeah, because you gave him two points for nothing before. Well, take away my, my two yeah. half points. That's what I said. Yeah. Then no half points, Terry still won. All right. Whatever. Anyways, with that, we're going to draw this podcast to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week with our top 10 and more movie ridiculousness. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.